I'm Anthony Rapp, and you are watching Click On This, and you can also listen to the podcast Below the Belt. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Yeah, guys, it's time for another episode of BTB, Below the Belt in the Mother of Effing House. I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host, with the most here for your weekly pleasure. Guys, we have an incredible show from top to bottom. Let's go ahead and introduce the panel, if you will. Starting with, that's right, guys, he is six foot eight, and you can't teach that. He is also a Sith Lord. He is Barth. Paul Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. <laughs> and how does Belchak change his Jedi to Heidi? Did you notice that? I did not notice that, really. I sent you a text. I was fighting Jedi, and it's changed. I am fighting Heidi. No, I'm not fighting Heidi. I'm fighting Jedi. The same way it corrects fucking uh, to ducking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go and uh, also introduce, joining us as guest co-host again, knocking it out of the park. Dude is knocking it out of the park. He is a filmmaker extraordinaire, comic book aficionado, Comic-Con enthusiast, the one and only Michael Doherty. Hey, sir. AKA the Rainmaker. Is it raining in New Jersey today? Uh, No, (laughs) it was about to actually, but yeah, I I am sitting in a, I wish it would fucking rain. Uh, Our AC (laughs) went up last night, so I'm sitting in a 95 degree house. Oh tomorrow. snap! Oh snap! That's one of the worst Man. things to happen. Uh, is, is like waiting for the AC tech to come save the day because uh, it's unbearable. It's hard to sleep without air conditioning, isn't it? Oh yeah. So uh, a yeah. guy came today and he's just like, "So good news. Uh, maybe tomorrow." I was like, "What do you mean maybe tomorrow?" He's like, "But definitely Thursday." I was like, "What do you mean maybe tomorrow?" Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh the God. unit is the unit's like twenty plus years old, and like it's oh my been serviced so many times. So yeah, it's wow. going to be an uncomfortable couple of days, but by the end of the week, we'll be good. Good rainmaker should be in effect for uh, some comfort. Uh, hopefully, you get that uh, taken care of, Michael. But uh, guys, this is our summer season finale as BTB takes a much needed hiatus. Right. Yes, I do need a break, man. It's been, I wanted to get this final show in because we are presenting our final interviews from Shore Leave Con in Hunt Valley, Maryland. And are we still have to do it. I mean, are they still giving interviews because of the strike or no? No, like, these were, these, get, like, be, well, these were conducted. At, these were, these are pre recorded. Okay. I was just wondering if we could do like interviews like 
now. I, I wasn't sure. So my yeah, understanding. You know, it's, it's really up to the talent. Um, so, we actually so my understanding is that, yeah, you could, as long as you're not actively promoting something that's be a struck company, you can do okay. interviews and talk all day long. So, like, if we interview somebody who's doing, like, an independent film or something, that's okay. We just can't do, like, like something from a major motion picture or a TV show. You can't, you can't promote yeah. a project associated with the AMBTP. Okay. Yeah. So, if they have a project that's an indie project, and I think, I'm not sure about this. Can you promote a project that's already out? That's already... Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not in production, so, but... Uh, I, I, think, I, I think people are getting at the Stephen Amell for promoting something, but I mean, I don't know if he was violating anything or not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, guys. I think as long as it's just like, as long as it's not helping the major studios. I mean, the big thing now, uh, and this is where Sarah Silverman, I think, is in the right. I don't know if you've heard her kind of talk about oh, it. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, not, we'll right? save it for later, because I, I, I understand her point of view. Yeah, okay. we'll definitely talk about that a little later. But as I was saying, if I can announce the guest, um, oh, Charlie Khan, um, our final uh, stop uh, right before the actor strike. So we uh, have three final interviews to present tonight. So for you Star Trek Prodigy fans, the multi-talented Bonnie Gordon talks to us. Um, cool. Yep. In addition... The main event. That's right. We have two major stars from Star Trek Voyager, Robert Duncan McNeil and Robert Picardo. Star Trek Voyager. Um, yes, I interview Robert Duncan McNeil and Mike the General Zod interviews the one and only Robert Picardo. Dude is a legend in the industry. We talk about possibility cool. of a Voyager reunion. We talk about an upcoming documentary on Star Trek Voyager. So now, now, how does he look now? Because I mean, remember, like, I mean, are they going to have like the age him, or does he have the Picardo look actually older? Because isn't he supposed to be like a computer or something? You know, I think they're. I'm not sure how they're going to work that out because, yeah, you're right. Because he was considered um, part android, I guess was his character yeah. part. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I thought he was a computer. I thought he was an AI. Yeah, he is he part AI. AI, right? How do you handle that? But I think they had to do something similar with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because well, when he to, but I need the body, that one, and they just put his face on him, I guess. Well, they did that, but also they kind of explained that the organic layers on top. He just got old. Well, on top of the actual yeah. AI robot metal is right. organic skin that actually ages. You know, I guess they had to like explain it, you know. So well, they explain the same thing in Picard with Data because Brent Spiner is nowhere near looking the way he did no. back when uh, right. the movies were out. So, so it was organic skin that just kind of aged with. Yeah. With, oh, okay. So uh, those are our final interviews, guys, and yeah, I think this is a good time to take hiatus because, uh, like as you mentioned, um, a lot of actors will not be promoting their projects, especially ones tied to AMPTP. As we are still in the middle of the strike, uh, which we hope uh, gets resolved, man. We really do hope, hope it gets resolved. But nonetheless, we have we're going out with a bang, guys. So let's uh, talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. 
that's off the chain. All right. All right. Let's let's start uh, with movies. As you know, um, well, Barbenheimer still dominating the box office. I'm glad <laughs> I was able to see both films. Two very, very different films that a lot of people uh, did a double feature of. And, see, uh, I didn't see Barbie. How, how was that? Because it's like, I was like, nah. I mean, when I saw started seeing guys in dresses going to Barbie, I'm like, nope, not not going to that. The controversial Darth Paul Walls, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, just, I just was thinking Mar- that movie was not a movie for me. Margot freaking Robbie. That that is well, I know she, yeah, I know she's hot, but it's like I that is the main motivator. Movie. She's my favorite actress of all time. Um she did an amazing in her role. Um and of course, yeah, um the number one movie with another ninety-three million domestically. So uh two weeks in a row, despite the Haunted Mansion movie uh dropping this past weekend, Barbie's still number one. Oh, do you uh, see Haunted, Haunted Mansion? I watched that this week. Yes, uh, why don't you I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, uh, Paul. It was actually pretty good. And and the thing is, really, the good. director tried to make a. I don't know what he was doing. He was like saying, "Oh, it's a black movie." It's not really a black movie. It's a good movie. It's like it has diversity in it, but it's like that's not what the story's about. I don't know what he was talking about. It just so happened that the the the. Yeah, I know that, but the director's like, this, America, is all, right? "This is the most black cast of all." Th-. It's like, who cares? It was. That's that? not what the movie was about. It was a I good movie. Who of among your friends has an issue? No, I mean, I no, I just thought it was stupid. <laughs> the director was trying to promote it as that because that's going to hurt their your box office if you're promoting it. Like, it was a good movie. I'll, you don't look at race. You look at the movie. I, I thought it was decent. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's just so well, happy to it. have some protagonists, you know. But I don't think yeah. it was marketed as. No, I'm know, not. I'm talking about the director actually did four interviews and said that. That's how the really? director promoted the movie. Yes, as a as a uh, a film for as a black, black movie. Males. Yes, that's what he promoted it as, which is just stupid. Well, I I, I don't know. Um, I haven't read that interview, but uh, okay. But well, I mean, I just I just thought it was stupid that he did that because I mean, it's like when you promote it to you promote it to everybody. I mean, it's like it, yeah. And it wasn't. Well, and as I, said, I, I didn't I didn't see any elements of anything being racial. I thought it was a good okay. movie. I thought. It was a good diverse cast. I mean, everybody just played normal people. What you should do instead of just try to virtual signal. I don't. I, don't I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of the the director. Um, yeah. Kind of pandering to to certain audiences, but nonetheless, um, Haunted Mansion, the number three movie, twenty four point six. I saw Oppenheimer the week before, and that was a little weird. Did you, what was the deal with the black and white, and then the color? Was there a reason for that? I mean, you're talking weird. about. First of all, the number two movie, uh, 46.6 million over the weekend. Um, And of course, uh, you know, it's interesting, despite Haunted Mansion uh, dropping this past weekend, both Barbie and Oppenheimer um, did better at the box office. Um, You know, there was a lot of like artistic choices in that film. And I think uh, the black and white was kind of used to... um, kind of used to um represent a certain point in time of the characters and then kind of and then it switched over to color as as the timeline uh yeah yeah, i just kind of that just kind of threw me off a little bit because i wasn't expecting it i mean i just saw the whole movie yeah 
I, I thought it was fantastic. You know, it was, it was yeah, a I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I thought it was uh, 45 minutes too long. Um, but uh, yeah, they kind of drag on at times. But yeah, yeah I, I hear but, it's a it's a good movie, but it's a, I only have to see it once. Good movie. Yes, mm-hmm. I will actually agree with that. I will actually agree with that, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, what was number one? Was it Barbie or was it Oppenheimer? Because I mean, it's Barbie. Like Barbie was like when I was going to see Haunted Mansion, Barbie was still selling out. Yep, Barbie, the, the number one movie, ninety three point uh, ninety three million over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and uh, the number four and five movie, well, it's uh, the film uh, Sound of Freedom, um, the independent um, film. Um, Raked in um, 13.6 million over the weekend. See, I don't know and, if that would that be considered an independent film because, like, technically Disney owned and they sold it because they didn't think of they they didn't want to put it out because they didn't think it would be make any money. So the director bought it and then he put it out. I was so aware Disney. And yeah, yeah. Originally, it, I think it was owned by Fox originally, and then Disney when they bought Fox, they got it and they were like, we're not putting this thing out. So the director was like, I'll just buy the film, and then he put it out. So. I guess it is considered an independent film. Mm-hmm. Even though it was yeah, made by a major studio? So it was production company is Santa Fe Films. And okay. It was distributed by Angel Studios. So it looks like the story might have been helped because that'll happen from time to time. Like, you know, they'll buy the rights, they'll buy the rights to like a story um, and then let them go. But it looks like it was completely an independent film. The thing that I've been heard the most about this is what they're what they're doing is called astroturfing. So they buy out a complete theater and there's nobody in the theater for the showing because somebody's just gone on and buy like making it look like a sellout like Barbie. But there's yeah, you go in the theater, like the, I, when I was there, like it was completely filled. It was completely okay. sold out and completely filled. So it's like, I mean, definitely in Maryland, that doesn't happen. I don't know if it's happened to other places, but in Maryland, it was not happening there. I saw I saw late. I saw like maybe the second or third week. Uh, yeah, I heard, about, I heard about that, Mike. That they actually. Well, they were doing something where it was like um some somehow like I think because like it had some religious tones to it. I think they had something like if people can't afford tickets, they were doing this promotion where you can buy tickets. Exactly. That's what I heard. Yeah. And um. So that's probably what's going on. But. The film also leans conservatively as well, so a lot of those mm-hmm. audiences um um saw that film as well but um but the i mean five, like it, yeah the number five movie uh mission impossible um with um 10.7 million so tom cruise still doing strong i still haven't uh, seen that yet is it good i haven't seen it yet either that was, was, that one was, was saw it. he thought it was better than indiana jones which that's not really setting a high bar but i look i haven't so you the top five movies are ones I haven't seen yet. I'm still, we were away for like two weeks, so I'm vacation. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I saw Indiana Jones. Look, I, I will say if you take kingdom of the crystal skull out of it, dial of destiny is a fitting ending. You know, but, I don't know. I think the fitting ending would have been like the Holy grail, but I mean, that's just, no, I, I just thought I, that no, I, I don't already. disagree with you. Well, no, no, I don't disagree with you. I think you could have ended in it at uh, Last Crusade and it would have been fine. But, like, to make another movie like Crystal Skull, the first two thirds of Crystal Skull are great. The ending sucked. I think what the, the problem with the Dial of Destiny has, and this is where, like, I've had conversations with because I've grown up, like, 
Raiders was one of the first movies I saw in the movie theater. Like people saw Dial of Destiny and wanted a different indie movie, and you can't do that with like a seventy to eighty year old guy. No, uh, I was saying, I was saying that before. Like I think what they should have done. It's just uh, it's a shame that River Phoenix passed away because the rumor was they were going to just pass the torch to him and do like the James Bond thing. But there's guys now that had the same charisma, like a Chris Pratt. I think would have been a good Indiana Jones as a young Indiana Jones. I mean, and just, well, you had just Sean Patrick from, Flannery from Boondock Saints was young Indiana Jones in the TV show. Yeah, right. he would be a good one too. Yeah, and if I mean Shia LaBeouf, you know, I guess he had some controversies, yeah. but he could have taken them, you know, taken over as well. But well, they they they, they didn't they, want that they, at all. They completely like were like, hey, he died. So they ended up. <laughs> well, yeah. Up. So yeah. that's and I think that's the part that most people are missing about this Indiana Jones, like besides mm-hmm. the the overall story about history and things like that which mm-hmm. is what they went back to they actually tied it back to history um every indiana jones there's something personal about it like last crusade is like him reconnecting with his father and you know all of that stuff. and this one was like him spoiler alert for anybody that's watched hasn't watched the movie like this is about him grieving the death of his son and not right. knowing how to deal yeah, he, was, he was more broken uh, i get that yeah yeah, yeah. And that's the part. But, that but the, the one thing I think they mainly dropped the ball on also is like the historical like legend of like the Germans had a thing called the Bell, which was supposedly a time traveling device. Which it's just an urban legend. I mean, I don't know. It right. hasn't been proven. But mm-hmm. why didn't it go with that instead of using the antikythium mechanism, which really doesn't make as much sense as using something that supposedly was a Nazi like time traveling thing. You know what I mean? That would have been a better time traveling device to kind of like be like hey this ties into something that might have happened and might not have happened uh i that i can't answer i mean outside of validating <laughs> i mean i just thought like, that was Nazi just something conspiracy. that i think it would have added to made the story a little bit better but because the anti-catheter yeah. mechanisms just basically was supposed to be a calculator so i'm really well, stupid that well indiana jones is old news guys let's, let's move on to <laughs> barbie because this is interesting because I enjoyed Barbie. I thought it was really funny. Granted, yes, there were some you know, woke moments that, that, you know, it's all about okay. diversity. There was a trans Barbie. There was a gay Ken. There was, you know, um, different ethnicity Ken, you know, with Simu Liu. But one particular um, thing I'm reading here, um, I was kind of, I don't know wh- why they cut it out, but apparently Greta Gerwig, the director, and her editing partner, Nick Hoy, threw out a fart opera scene oh, really? that was supposed to happen <laughs> in the middle of the movie a well, see, 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 here, here, here's the reason they didn't do it because the movies i think more towards females females don't get parked it's like i mean they, they just like i mean any <laughs> I girlfriend that watched that uh, blazing saddles with me just thought that was dumb and they were like why is that <laughs> in there it's like so us guys would have got along with that but the uh, <laughs> girls would not be with the fart joke. So, so, you know what I mean? So I, I will say my fi- that that is like my fiance and I have watched Blazing Saddles several times. She laughs at the fart scene. So I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. of the camp that they should have just left it in. Yeah, but, they should have left it in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious about I, the fart opera. I now want to see bloopers of the <laughs> fart opera. <laughs> I want to see director's cut. I want it. They said basically it was in the wrong place and they need to work with a more significant narrative. Um, and um, anyways, they really wanted to include the proper fart joke, but they just weren't able to do it. So 
nonetheless, um, the next um, blockbuster film dropping this weekend, and I, I know you have an opinion. I know you have an opinion, Darth Paul Walls. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because this one's produced by Seth Rogen, your favorite. And uh, <laughs> most of voice and characters, I mean, yeah, that guy don't. He he has no talent. I guarantee it's gonna bomb. And I guarantee you're not gonna see it. Am I right? I'm not gonna see it. <laughs> well, well, I could see it for free, so he won't get my money if I do see it. So if I have to review it, I'll watch it for free. But I mean, I'm not gonna yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I know we, you've already expressed your disdain for Seth Rogen, and you know he is the. I think I think maybe ever half the country feels the same way, or anybody who's ever worked with Seth Rogen, they would feel the same way. He's just a, you know how I feel about him. <laughs> well, he is the producer of the film, and you know the animation style is very, very um, into the Spider Verse. You know, um, no, nah, I don't even say that because Into the Spider Verse. Is more clean. This is like more of a like. It's more like a. I guess he's trying to go with like a weird hip hop type of um graffiti style, which is just as weird. But so, Into Spider Verse is more of a 3D kind of more streamlined uh, animation. What they've said because I was just I was watching a bunch of like because uh, they can't do press, so they pre-recorded a bunch of stuff like behind the scenes right. how it was made. That's right. Uh, the drawing style is supposed to look like a teenage kid. Like when we were all teenagers or kids when Ninja Turtles were out, like if right. a kid drew a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book that got turned into the movie, that's what this style is supposed to be. But huh. why? <laughs> I just don't because, get that idea. I mean, go back if you go back and look at the original black and white turtles, like the it style wasn't that it's still, very it's still rough, the same style. It's kind of a, that one's kind of like more of an immature type of style, and it's just kind of I don't know, and they right. look kind of wonky. Yeah, I mean, I the, the original they were kind of more gritty and more more dark because it was in black and white, right? Or if you're going to do it, do it in black and white. That that maybe I would they would have had a better stylized uh, uh, design. You, but I'll tell you this though, man: ninety four percent critics and ninety three percent audiences for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, I don't and think I the can't... audience. I don't think the audience are on yet. I mean, the critics. If the critics it's, have that it's, high, it's I audience, guarantee it's the audience. audience. The... There's there's some audiences that are seeing. Um, some sneak views, a sneak screen, uh, you know, screenings, and there's a hundred, um, about a hundred audience uh, scores right now. So, um, yeah, I mean that's only a hundred. I mean once it gets once it gets out, I guarantee that's going to change. It's probably going to be like let's see. I would say it's probably going to be between thirty and fifty, and a hundred because you know how the I mean because apparently Seth Rogen's like uh, everybody like all the critics love him for whatever reason for the no talent hack he is, but. Well, well, there's, I mean, there's the difference between Seth Rogen on set and Seth Rogen dealing with publicists. So yeah. no, I'm just saying yeah. Seth Rogen, like, uh, yeah, I guess right. I mean, it's just he, he's he's I don't know. He, he's awful on set. He's he's just awful in general. He's just like a nasty person. One thing that they're describing about this film is that the, the kids, the, the turtles, rather, are, are yeah. like teenagers. They, they talk like teenagers, yeah. they act like teenagers. Yep. And it's a little a little more. um. A little more, more I mean, you know, focused. yeah, exactly. More kids focused. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm on the fence. Probably going to check this one out, but uh, I'm I'm going to check it out because I I am a huge Turtles fan, like grew up like I knew about the comic books before the TV yeah. show came out. Uh, watched the TV show. I've watched every iteration. And if you go back um, the last couple comic TV shows, 
turtles are going back towards gearing towards the initial audience. Like we, ha- mm-hmm. we have to remember as grown ass adults that like we were teenagers when this shit came out. So right. you have to remember we, while nostalgia based are not the target audience, like teenage modern yeah. kids are the modern, are the audience. Right. There are going to be some, um, there's going to be some 47 year old adults like myself. Exactly. Oh, the weird yeah. thing is, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, who owns the right? I mean, is there like a multiple right thing? Because I think doesn't Eastman own some and Lard own some, so it's like a kind of like it's kind of like a split rights thing. Because like even like uh, for like, like figures and stuff, there's like five different companies making figures. Because that's why I understand like NECA has rights, Playmates has rights, and all these other companies have rights because Eastman licenses some out and Larda or Laird or licenses the other ones out. So it's like so it's like. Yeah. The, there's competing like storylines there it's just weird well i'll tell I, you i think gonna... that is also as capitalistic as you possibly can <laughs> no it is <laughs> but i'm just saying it's just i'm just saying like because there's co-creators yeah. so each one has 50 percent rights so they're just kind of just right. going i mean i'm looking at the upcoming releases and it seems like they they release a lot of the the, the major tent poles in june and july um yeah. i mean other than tm tmnt we have the meg 2 coming out this weekend we also have Blue Beetle coming out on August 18th, which I am looking forward to that oh, one. Oh, that's, that's going to be good. And apparently yeah. is the first character within the James Gunn DCU. Will be um, well, uh, Cholo Madrigal's version. Is he going to be in both? Or is he going to be like rebooted for the James Gunn thing? I know he's playing Blue Beetle on James Gunn's thing, but I heard this was the last movie in the Snyderverse. No, no, it's going to be Aquaman 2. Um, in December. Okay. That's going to be the final uh, DCU movie. Oh, yeah, this was supposed to be the last movie, but Aquaman got pushed back. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then there's the Gran Turismo film, which I'm not, you know, I'm not really excited mm-hmm. for that yeah, one as kind of well. Weird. I like the racing well, aspect of it, but I think the plot, plot just seems a little weak. <laughs> well, yeah, I think if you just wanted to, like, hey, we're, we're racing cars at the Gran Turismo instead of saying, hey, we have a teenage guy who can play video games, let's have him drive cars. It's like, you know, that's a little. Yeah. Well, it's, it's based off a true story, and I is that I'm a true story? See, yeah, I'm curious to see how many liberties they. That's one of those for me that I'm waiting till it comes on digital. Like, I'll go see Turtles. I'll go see the rest of the ones that we're talking about in the theater. But like, yeah. Gran Turismo is uh, when Prime's available for free. That's that's when you go check it out. Exactly. And then well, they have to do some. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I was going to say, a lot of those, like, racing video games don't really translate ever real well either. Yeah. I mean, what was that Need for Speed was kind of awful. Yeah, I remember, uh, what, uh, Speed Racer with Emil yeah, Speed Racer. Well, that, no, that was more of an anime than a video game, though. They just yeah, no, actually, went... you're right. Yeah, it was based on racing, but yeah, you're that's right. That's just the way Wachowski's going a little weird, because they had that weird, like, overly bright, weird style they do, but... Yeah. <laughs> we won't get into the Wachowskis guy. I'm pretty sure you can go on a tangent. Uh, well, I'm not going to go on a tangent. I, I said, I don't mind. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I just, I just don't like being, people pushing stuff on films. So, <laughs> people, ever... people when they're 18, hey, they can do whatever they want. I could care less. But if you push it on all the right. kids, I have a problem with that. So, <laughs> Sony actually announced that they have to change the schedule for the upcoming 2024 films. So now um, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, the third film, will now be um, spring of uh, – is now no longer in the spring of 2024. And uh, Yeah, and Craven the Hunter 
um, now uh, will be um, pushed to October of 2024. Are you sure? uh, Are you sure about the Spider Verse? Because I heard it was indefinite. Is it indefinite? That's what they said, indefinite. From what I from the last I heard, and I was like, that kind of sucks because that that's a that's a that's a to be continued thing. So it's like you think they would have some done by now. Because it's like um, it was there was a cliffhanger. I would imagine they would want to. Yeah, you would think they would just film them both at once and then just split it up. That would have been a smart yeah. thing. To do. Yeah, the the issue isn't the filming isn't done. It's because they can't promote it with the SAG strike. That's the reason okay, why the main reason why I've had this uh, they're switching some stuff around. I mean, I mean like I know Craven would look like I mean the previews it looked like it was pretty much done, but I mean I don't know. Yeah. How much. And then you have Bad Boys Four and Venom Three. Um they're coming out in June and July of twenty twenty four, respectively. Um also Ghostbusters Afterlife two um uh, will now um be released Easter weekend of twenty twenty four. Originally it was supposed to be released this uh christmas so because of the strike the writer's strike the actor strike they decided to uh, i mean are, are all those projects done or do they still have some filming left on them or does it say i think they're all done they're all done yeah okay so so it's, it's just about the promotion they can't just promote it it's exactly exactly there was a really crazy trailer that's just dropped for saw x this uh um, that's great yeah, if you're a fan of the horror films or the Saw franchise, Tobin Bell's Jigsaw is back. And um, yeah, however, so, at this point in time, are they just stretching it out because it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how many like? So I watched. This is, yeah, this has got to be the like the way that they're setting up that this has got to be the last one, like because I'm thinking, yeah. Because and now they're making him the anti-hero in this story. Like you want to root for him based on the trailer. Yeah. Which to me is like that takes away all the the like horror part. Like now it's just torture. Part. Well, he always like, kind of was because wasn't he a guy who died of cancer or he was dying of cancer because they wouldn't give him treatment. So he was like, I'm going to get revenge on all these corrupt individuals that are taking advantage. So he kind of always was like that anti-hero type of guy because he's. Like yeah. the insurance company, and he went after he went after like the doctors who took money and wouldn't give him stuff. So that's he was just kind of taking. So he was always kind of anti-hero type guy, wasn't he? Well, now it's more so than that. Like, and that's what the latter movies have turned into. Like before, yeah. it was really like torturing people for. Yeah. It wasn't clear why he was torturing people outside of yeah. they had some mutual connection. And then as mm-hmm. the series has gone on, it's like they kind of yes, promoted he had, yeah, he had cancer, and now he's trying to get people to like live their lives and value life because he had this death scare, and like it, it's slowly morphed into. But this is the one that's leaned the most heavily into like him giving revenge. You're absolutely right, Mike. So it it says here, the infamous serial killer seeks twisted justice for those who wronged him. He returns to work. Bell's character says in the footage. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. So yes, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, so, is this one that takes place before like the other movies? Because I mean, the the, way, so, the reason no, I explained. No, after. I believe this is after. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, so he faked his death, or yeah, because he did. Okay. Yep. He's back. He's back, guys. Okay. <laughs> um. So Michael Mann's racing drama. We talked about racing films. Ferrari is set to close the New York Film Festival. This is the 61st annual film festival. It's scheduled uh, for Alice Tully Hall in New York on October 13th. Of course, with the writer's strike and the actor's strike, will um, 
the actors be um, present for this, you know? Um, um, got a heck of a cost, you know? What Was that a foreign film? Because I think if you're a foreign, you might be able to get away with it. It's not a foreign film. It's Adam Driver as a mogul okay. Enzo Ferrari. It's pretty much a biopic of the creator of the Ferrari car. And um, also in the film is Shailene Woodley, Gabriel Leone, Patrick Dempsey, and Jack O'Connell round out the cast. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, hopefully, you know, it's kind of hard to say whether the the cast will be present for this New York Film Festival, um, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, see uh, what happens. I mean, with are, are they allowed to be show up and just not talk about the film, or just be like, "Hey, yeah, it was a fun to work on," or something like uh, that? Just I don't think so. I think the only thing they're allowed to do are comic cons, but not the only comic cons they're allowed to do are appearances where they do autographs and photo ops, but they can't do see, like. See, a, you know what? Like That's cat, the one thing I do have a problem know? with. Like, I, I don't think they should be able to do that because usually, like, the guys who are doing the comic cons are the bigger actors. And it's like, they don't care about the uh, smaller actors who aren't making any money. They still have a source of income. You know what I mean? By doing Comic-Cons and signing autographs, they should not be allowed to do Comic-Cons because they're making money by, like, the guest stars and the backgrounds and stuff. And even, like, the other people who work on set, they're not making anything. So it's should the guys who have the most money still be allowed to make a profit? I, I just don't think that's right. So the, well, I a lot s- of the people going to Comic Cons aren't your like a, you're not seeing like if you see Tom Cruise he's going to San Diego and New York or like the, the big ones where the media is yeah. yeah like or if you go to Shore Leave it's not necessarily your like exactly. top tier people it's people that have been like you know the guy in it's kind of the the joke but, Robert, but still know. like I mean like all the Walking Dead cast I mean they they do every Comic Con so it's like dude like well, yeah does Andrew Lincoln or uh, Norman Reedus deserve all that money, or even like I, I worked with uh, Ryan Hurst. I mean, Ryan Hurst was doing the same thing. He would actually yeah. call days off on shooting to go oh. do a stupid Comic Con, and I just don't think that's right because it costs people. I think it, well, I think it's okay because it, again, it's not it's not a competitive contract when people when actors are signing up. Hold on, I know, but as I said, it's like if, if everybody else is on strike, how how come they can still make money and everybody else doesn't? But it's just because they're not promoting. Ca- it's not being on camera, Paul. Yeah, and you're not there. You're not there promoting a movie. You're not there exactly. promoting, like you're not promoting your upcoming thing. You're not like going to a comic con. And SAG is pretty strict about this. Like, you can go and you can sign autographs because you and the convention are the only ones making money from it. The right. minute you cross the line and you're promoting, like I'm in Spider Man, you know, Beyond the Spider Verse or okay. whatever, like oh, that's where that line is. Like you can't. Right. Yeah, but what about, about like the, the guy who, who just who just got named to be uh, Superman? It's like. He can go in and sign posters of a new Superman movie and from, kind of promote that, even though he's not done it. You that's know like, what I mean? That's against, so that's technically against SAG. Like he can he can go and pro- sign autographs. He cannot actively promote the new Superman movie. Well, no, but I'm not. I'm not, really not saying gray, actively gray promote. I'm saying sign like photos of him as Superman, even though. Well, it, it, well, that specific example, they're, they're, I don't think they've started production anyway. So mm-hmm. right. Well, I'm sure they have pictures of him in a Superman outfit that, or a CGI one that he gets high. Yeah, know? probably. I'm curious to see um, how David Corn. So the guys who are making millions of dollars should not be profiting while everybody else is not profiting. Because there's some people who, I know actors who are starving. It's like, and that's not right. Like, I mean, during the pandemic, I helped a lot of them out. So it's like, yeah. and I just don't. And, and to be fair, there's a lot of actors who the only way that they make money 
is Comic Con. That's the thing. No, they, they still get residuals. They still get residuals, and they still yeah. always have. Yeah, but residual. And Al can kind of talk to this. Like residuals yeah. are sometimes like pennies on the dollar. So like, I know. There's there are people. I, I get residuals on some stuff too, but I know it's not much. I mean, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a really body. Yeah, it's a it's a really gray area. I mean, I understand where the writer strike and the actor strike are coming from because like the big residuals are only going to the bigger stars because they're getting a large percentage. And when I say or like, that, a, it's like see, if I was like a star percent. and I was doing that, like I mean, I would have I would have donated all my money to like people who need like a fund to help and, the all actors. And there are some that have like the rocks dropped yeah. over a million dollars to help actors. Like Dr. there are Barland some people donated, that are doing it. Um, yeah. One million, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, oh. it's it's a really weird gray area of all exactly. of them. Exactly. Yeah, but I feel that actors d- deserve the chance to make uh, alternate income while while um, productions are not being shot. I mean, that's my opinion, Paul. I know you have a different opinion. But... I mean, I just think that I just think it would like it would allow them to negotiate better because it's like, hey, they don't have any skin in the game. You know what I mean? It's the, the conventions, autographs, photo ops, completely different animal than being. In, in Ryan Hurst was making more money doing that than he was doing Outsiders. He was bragging right. about that. That's why Joe Anderson did not get along with him on set because he was bragging, and he actually cost production days because of that. So he was like, "I don't care. I'm making more money now." What? Because they're like, doing Comic Cons. Because they're doing Comic Cons yeah. and stuff. Yes. Yeah, there there yeah. are guys who will literally, and this is the other part that we have to take into consideration. Like an indie film is not going to pay you a lot of money. Like if you're oh, that, get, that, like, no, I was talking about a, a show that was a, it was a it was on cable. I mean, it was a major production. It was produced right. by Sony. So. But, right. but even if they're doing like SAG union rates, like that's not a lot of money in the mm-hmm. long run. Mm-hmm. You know, and your residuals are going to you know be dependent on how long that goes on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, he's probably making a couple thousand dollars doing an episode of a TV show, and he could guaranteed almost go. Oh, to he was making way way more than that. And, I mean. He was coming right. off of Sons of Anarchy before he did that, so he was making way more right. than a couple thousand dollars. That's not like, I mean, I'm sure oh, he was making more on Walking Dead than that, but I mean, I'm, he was not making just he was making some good bank. Right, but that's the other side is like when you go to a convention, anything you make at that convention, outside of your guarantee or what you're paying your like agent, like that's directly in your pocket. That's not going to SAG. That's not going to WGA. Mm-hmm. That's not going to like blah 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 blah. That's like guaranteed cash in your pocket. Yeah. Well, if I could move on, guys, um, yeah, yeah. got a little news on Nicolas Cage and his role in The Flash. He made a comment. Well, I was glad I didn't blink. I'm talking about how quick <laughs> his cameo was in The Flash. He also said something about the character, his Superman characters. Uh, Nicolas Cage said, if you really wanted to know what I was going to do with that character, look at my performance in City of Angels. Interesting. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to play Clark Kent after that, and I was already developing this alien otherness, playing this angel. That is a perfect yeah. example of the tonality that you have gotten for Kal-El and Clark Kent. So he would have played very, very, very different roles for for both Clark Kent. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they should do something like that, like across the Spider-Verse type of Superman thing. And I think that would kind of work because you you still have a couple of actors who are young enough and they're not a lot of money, like Nicolas Cage and Brandon Routh that could still play Superman, even like Dean Kane. I mean, you, he, he could still pull off. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those, uh, those three, I mean, they're cheap. You could do, do a cross yeah. Spider-Verse thing with them. And it's like, 
Let me tell you about Dean Cain. He actually can be hired for your independent movie. You just have to pay his rate. He will not turn down a script, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. So you so don't have to pay. Cash. Yeah. It's so crazy. I actually uh, on Saturday went to uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, and Kevin Smith for his birthday did a reading of his Superman Lives script, which is where that Nicholas Cage oh, wow. scene comes from. That's cool. I will say, like, I having read heard that out loud. Like really coming out in 96, that would have been the perfect Superman movie. Wow. Because like they, they only use the origin story to introduce the bad guy. And it was the story was literally like time jumps up until like the super, That's and they, they handle the like uh doomsday scene. They handle like, it was, re, it was a like, I regret not having that movie get made. How much think, was, did they actually film any principal photography? Because I heard that there was a documentary where stuff was actually filmed, not just him wearing the costume. Yeah, I got the documentary. They got up until filming. So they did like test shots. They did costume shots. So they didn't film anything. I thought maybe they might have filmed like yeah. a few and then just scrapped it. Yeah. Would nope. so that movie be released? that be released today? Probably With not. some tweaking for some of the like, because the comedy it was written in '96, so some of right. the humor is clearly like '96 humor. Yeah. Like Kevin Smith even said, he's like, "If I wrote this today, I would change this." I think they could animate that. I think that could be an animated DC movie that people would see. Ooh, or like even that. like I mean, now nowadays CGI is like good enough where I mean, you could probably do a lot of the effects for a lot less money with the CGI. Because of cost yeah. was the issue before, but it's like, like the robot thing and like him fighting. Like I mean, that scene. I mean, I wonder how much it costs to do that scene that he was fighting that big robot spider thing. It's like they were using practical effects when it came out originally, and that would have been a lot of money. But uh, CGI, it's probably ten percent of that. That's just in a different way, you know. I think they both yeah. have their their uh, aspects that makes them more expensive, yeah. both practical and CG. Um, also, um, news on Shazam Fury of the Gods. So Zachary Levi was interviewed on the Film Up podcast recently, and uh, he talked about the the what the future holds because he said the second movie was not well received. He said the audience score was quite good, but the critic score was oddly perplexingly low. And he said that people were insanely unkind. Wow. Well, and, there, there's uh, a reason for that because I mean, critics really don't like him because he spoke out against the vaccines. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of critics were bashing him before it even started. So it's like that. I don't even know if people are even giving it a fair review. Really? Having, yeah, having yeah. Remember, it. he was the guy who was speaking out against the vaccines, and a lot of critics were actually attacking him on Twitter about it. So it's like, and it was actually like the movie critics. So it's like, I think, it's, I think some of it's it's like the same thing as like the conservative people were attacking like people like review bombing some other films because of that so that's like i think it's going around on both sides and i think that's why it was not reviewed well the other drawback was i think they the rocks kind of screwed him over because the rock should have been the villain that has uh, shazam movie not some random characters that never showed up before oh alan Marin and the, and the, the three yeah. yeah i mean i don't even mind that the rock showed up for a few minutes to, to, he just just wrote the rock he didn't said it was beneath him. yeah he said it was beneath yeah. him and it's like that's that's not right i mean yeah. hey the guy the guy's not the same level you are but still just you know where the story came from. Just say, be like, hey, even if you don't want to be the bad guy, just be like, hey, I'm here. I'm just whatever. Yeah. Well, Zachary so, also said uh, social media has shifted so much hate, online hate, haters and trolls and factions 
And all that has just well, see, that's, 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 that's what I pointed out. Yeah. And that, that's that's the exact thing I just said about that. <laughs> so I so, saw the movie because I was a fan of the first one. And I will say um, the Rock's cameo at the end, like at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, Henry Cavill Superman shows up and says we have to talk, which could have set up Shazam Superman versus Black Adam, which they've already done right. an animated series, of, which was really good. Uh, I completely agree. Like this did not feel as good as the first movie because mm. it was... Uh, it felt like you had too many bad guys going on at the same time who were all irrelevant to Shazam. Like it was, it was just a weird collage of like, why did you need three heroes? Like you could have tied this to any other major DC villain and done the same story, Mm -hmm. but you know, black Adam not being involved aside, it was like, it was not a bad movie, but it was absolutely like a sophomore slump. I think it was uh, I think it was too many in there. I think having all the heroes in there, like I mean, maybe if they took the powers away from the other heroes early and Shazam's anyone that has power, I think it might have been a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they kind of touched everybody on that, else, but like there's a lot of they touched on that, yeah. but it was just too it was too much, too many characters for a second movie. I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, and then I got another Seth Rogen thing, Big Fall. So yeah. Seth was uh, he was asked why he hasn't tackled DC or Marvel. And basically, he said, um, there's a reason. Um, they did um, Mutant Mayhem, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, because they can dictate the system. Um, when it comes to DC and Marvel, um, basically, you eliminate a lot of that free reign right away. Um, well, see, and, see that, that's really a red flag right there when he said, hey, I can change the story to Ninja Turtles and I can't go completely all, overboard on the Marvel and DC stuff. That tells right. me that Turtles movies could be really awful because he doesn't care about the yeah. lore. He doesn't care about the fans, kind of like what's going on with Star Wars right now. Yeah, and I know you, you're probably alluding to April O'Neil, right? No, no long... even, I don't even care about uh, that. But I do, okay. I, I, do, I do think she should be somebody else other than April O'Neil because that really doesn't make sense for that character to be called April O'Neil because April O'Neil sounds like a real Irish person. But besides that, I think just Sith Lord. the tone of it, the, the tone of him. And Don't just, forget there's Shaquille like O'Neal, by the way. He's yeah. very much an African-American. And, and no, I mean, April and O'Neal is both, that's really Irish. I mean, like, go back to the original comics, go back to the original comics, and Eastman has said this himself, April O'Neil was either biracial or light-skinned black because she had big curly hair. It wasn't until we got to the cartoons and movies that April became a white girl with red hair, and that's what everybody identifies with. Go back, I'm not shitting you, go back and get one of the early Eastman and Lair. I remember the black and white comics. I could have sworn she was always Irish. No, she was a light skin. She had big curly hair. Her hair in the new show cart movie is closer to what she had in the comic book. Oh, so with that rationale, I guess it's okay. I guess we're we're just. No, but, I mean, they also should, they changed they may swap the April on the on another thing, but I mean that that other show that just came out not too long ago that wasn't very good. But I mean, as I said, it's like if I just think the tone's all off. I think he. I, I think. 
since it's a, it's a different version. I'm sure one yeah. of the right, the, the whoever gave him the license for it, the other one I'm sure is not happy about that movie. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I mean, it just seems like it's just tone deaf. So Nickelodeon it, it seems like owns they, the rights, right? Do they, do, do they own all rights for both? For both, I thought both creators owned it. Or Eastman and Laird both owned rights. They get res- they get residuals. Everything. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's uh, throw out one more thing uh, before we take a classic clip break. Um, usually save television, but let's get this out of the way since we have a little bit more time. Let's talk about okay. some stuff on Disney Plus. With Secret Invasion, the finale. Ooh. Did you guys tune in to episode six? I did. It was, I was disappointed. Oh, wow. You're, I, you're cringing. You're cringing, Paul. Yeah, it was not good. Well, I've read people said it's one of the worst Marvel series since um, Inhumans. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, uh, I, th- I think it's She-Hulk level bad. I don't know about in hum- humans. No, I mean, She-Hulk, She-Hulk was good. I like She-Hulk. She-Hulk was. So really I like good. She-Hulk. I, I it was not in humans bad, and that I think the problem is is that those of us that read the Secret Invasion comic, like this is definitely one of those things where they like took way too many liberties with that, and they couldn't they couldn't do Secret Invasion on the scale that they needed to without making it a feature film. And they were, I think this is one of those things where. Well, especially not that feature film, because it's supposed to be the secret invasion is going to be the big universe thing this year for the Marvel Universe. Well, no, I'm saying if you did the comic book version, comic book accurate version of Secret Invasion, you would have to bring back Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, like, because it was all the major superheroes being revealed in Scrolls. And this didn't have this. We just had Sam Jackson and. Right. Um, and you're missing a key component because it required the Fantastic Four because that's the Super Scroll initially yeah, stole their four powers. So I, I was overall happy with the series until the last episode. And the okay. last episode for me was like, I, I knew right away that, you know, the major Marvel character that's in it was the Scroll. Like, you can't kind of get away with that. Like, I feel like if you watch the first couple episodes, you see all the budget went into that final fight scene. Yeah, that was a hell and of a fight. Scene. I don't and think it was that like, great. I thought it looked like cheap CGI, but I mean, my, yeah, I was trying. Problem, to, I, I was trying to understand Felice's muscular arms. It's, it wasn't a good mm-hmm. look. So, so in the so in the, this is nerding me out. In the comics, the scrolls can use any part of their body to take over like whatever power like so yeah. the fight was comic accurate like you know uh the the super scroll fighting the fantastic four one arm was the thing the other one was mr fantastic and then they could you know turn it into flame on so like that part was accurate uh mm-hmm. the problem i have is that you have the like everybody hated captain marvel because she was the most overpowered superhero yeah. now gaia is like the most overpowered superhero character yeah because she has literally or, De- or ryan moment. reynolds deadpool from uh, x-men was the most overpowered superhero character now gaia has every avenger power correct and every villain and anybody that fought Jeez. in game. so she has uh thanos all of his crew she has all the superheroes Jeez. And it's just like what do you do with that character like that was my biggest problem is like yeah. what do you do with that character now well, um, what about the problem with Rhodey? That doesn't make sense either, because they say he was a squall since Civil War. So, like, if you do that, a lot of storylines don't make sense now, too. 
if he was a squirrel the whole time. So if he was all the movies. If he was so a squirrel say, in Endgame and um, Infinity War, yeah, they would have a problem with that consistency. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I mean, they well, say it's from Civil War on up that that was uh, the squirrel the whole time. Yeah, well, they haven't said exactly. Much. So what they showed is that he was in uh, hospital gowns. And Rhodey had two major crashes. He had w- the one after Civil War, right, uh, where he was paralyzed. And you, the last time you see him in that gown was in that at that time. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Infinity War that when they're fighting Thanos the first time, he gets hit and he gets out of the suit and he can't use his legs. So when everybody's kind of dusting off, so there's yeah. either there's two points that Rhodes could have come out. But they visually try to tie it back. I don't know why, but they visually tied it back to uh, Civil War. Now, I think, honestly, like if you look at his character and how quickly he recovered from a spinal injury, that would explain yeah. the scrawl. You know, and the amount of time that he was, the scrawl was Rhodey, you could understand like why it feels a little bit more accurate. But like, I don't think we got enough time with that Rhodey to yeah. know the difference in personality what they, they have what I think they, should said, have done, they probably should have done a, before they did this they probably should have done a series of him yes as the scroll and then like did the secret invasion afterwards and then you'd be like oh okay that's that's what filled in the gaps right. they did decide to make the armor war series a movie correct no it's still a show it's still yeah. a show okay i thought i read yeah. that they decided to make Armor Wars a film, um, but I could be I could be uh, mistaken on that one. But the, but, the other uh, thing is with Marvel, I think they're like, I think they're they're just doing too much and they're not using they're, they're watering stuff down. I and mean, like even Samuel Jackson didn't seem like the normal Nick Fury. He seemed like he was just. I mean, I know he was broken a little bit, but it's just like it just didn't seem like it seemed off. Yeah, it's interesting because now Fury is heading back to the space station on Saber. Mm-hmm. Resuming his mission to find the scrolls a new home, and he reunites, uh, reunites with Vara, um, yeah, right. who is a scroll, and I guess will stay a scroll. And I thought it was kind of it's kind of odd that to see kiss between uh, Nick Fury and Vara. Nah, I, I yelled out, "Go, Captain Kirk!" The minute I saw it happen, <laughs> yeah. were you were you all for it? <laughs> I was all for it, but you know, I mean, he has to go back to Saber because he's on Saber at the start of the new Marvels movie because they've shown him on saber mm-hmm. in the trailers so like i yeah. get that he has to go back i to me that show needed one more episode to justify everything that happened but they they didn't do it yeah well, well i heard they, they, they i heard like the director just wasn't qualified enough for it because they said like they were still like finishing stuff up like when it was already airing they said like the final episodes weren't done till like later on so like they were still film filming and like totally. editing stuff that's kind of the Marvel way. Like I went out to D23 and I talked to one of the guys that works in Marvel distribution. And he said that there are times that the movie's not even movies, end game, stuff like that. They're not even. Is, it, is that, why, is that why artists have so many problems with them right now? Because I mean, you're just yeah. you're rushing stuff. Just, and it's like, yeah, and then, and then, then if the, the artwork's not good, they're going to get blamed for it. So they're going to have trouble getting jobs in the future. So it's like, it's just a no one situation. Oh, right, and that's why. Just... Well, that's why Iger has said that they're going to start scaling back a lot of the Marvel and Star Wars stuff because they're pushing too fast, too much. Too fast, too much. But I got an interesting thing on how Rhodey and Civil War. So all signs point to um, Rhodey, um, the real Rhodey, 
um, being um, not present during Avengers and Endgame and Infinity War because he was not present at Tony Stark's funeral. I thought that was a very yeah. interesting. Point. No, he was there. That's Brody was that's there. Good. He was like, no, I heard Brody. he wasn't. No, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. Yeah, Brody was there. Brody when was there. Panning shot. When they did the panning shot of everybody, all right, he's standing next fact, to Happy. We need to fact check that because I, I could have sworn there was there was something I read where he wasn't there, and they, they said that's how they were going to explain. Now, and then we'll really explain, and it will make sense that he's a scroll. Was Rhodey at Tony Stark's funeral? I don't think he was, no. Secret Invasion reveals that Rhodey missed Iron Man's funeral. So this article is well, accurate. you got to take into consideration the Rhodey that was asleep was not there. The right. Rhodey scrawl was there. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, so, okay, I, hold on. I've got the scene up on YouTube right okay. now. So when they pass from the water, it goes... Pepper, the daughter, Morgan, Happy, uh, Cap, and Rhodey are the first four people you see. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. So you're scroll, looking at the screen. Rhodey, no, I'm, I I pulled up the video of YouTube of Tony's funeral. Oh. Right? oh and okay. they show it like so. Scrawl Rhodey was there for Tony's funeral. Real Rhodey was back in Russia, unconscious. Okay. okay. Interesting. So the director of Secret Invasion was, was only told two things, and that Fury had to go back to space, mm-hmm. and Rhodey had to have issues with his legs. So the, we but, did see both of those aspects. Do you think that's an issue right there when the director's told just to do those two things instead of, just, hey, read yeah. the story and see how things actually turn out? Right. No, <laughs> I get, agree some back, get some background onto what these characters are instead of being like, hey, these two things you have to do. It's like, that's yeah. why we have an awful show. Yeah. So. And another thing interesting is that we did not see a post credit scene. Um, this show, uh, I guess, is this is a first for Marvel. Both the shows and the films over the years have had a post credit scene. And this show, mm-hmm. The Secret Invasion, was the first show that did not have a post credit sure. scene. What do you think about that? I, I, I think know. Marvel's. I think Marvel's sinking. Marvel might not even be property of Disney soon. I heard Marvel and uh, the Lucasfilm were both up for sale. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, they're hurting for money. Yeah, they're they're Disney's making way too much money off of those two IPs. Why they may yeah. not be making it off of the movies, but the merchandise. Well, well no, but the, the problem is the Comcast deal with with the uh, Hulu. They had to pay that. So it's like yeah. they don't have the money to pay. So they have to sell some IP off or sell some of the parks off to do because the parks aren't making money either. So it's like they're they're like in financial straits. That's why AT&T is even in talk of buying the whole Disney thing off right because Disney, as much money as they have, they've had a lot of bombs recently. They've had a lot of uh, disappointments. And it's like they just cannot handle it. I mean, they need to come up with this all this money to buy, buy Hulu app because they own Fox and they own Disney. So it's like, Comcast wants their money, and it's like they, there's no way out of it for them. Yeah. Well, one um, thing that that I'll yeah, say that could be interesting um, with some of the characters you mentioned, Gaia. Gaia and Olivia Coleman's character, they could be a part of a spinoff show, specifically um, the Excalibur 
show. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's early rumblings for an Excalibur series, and including all British, you know, characters like Captain Britain, which apparently they want Henry Cavill in that role. Which I'm not sure if that's, you know, that that's all very very early. And I don't think, yeah, to be honest with you, the, from what interviews he said, he said he wants nothing to do with like there's IP. He wants nothing to do with Marvel, really. Well, Marvel or DC, it's like he just wants to kind of do it. He's a big Warcraft fan. He's going to put Warcraft out and he's going to do Warcraft, other things. And how about Bond? Did you see Henry Cavill? The rumor is he might be. I don't know. He kind of played like a Bond character in that one Mission Impossible movie. But I, I don't know. I don't think he's I think he's would be able to do it. But I don't think he's the right choice for Bond. OK. Like, I, I don't even mind a race swap Bond because, I mean, I think Elba would be a great Bond. Because he kind of played him as like a Bond character in Hobbs, Hobbs and Yeah, Fall, but... I would. I would love to see Idris Elba as Bond. To be honest with you, that could be something new and refreshing for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Amelia Clark. I'm a big fan since Game of Thrones, and if she and Olivia Colman decide to do something like an Excalibur or something, you know, and why not reunite Jon Snow, Kit Harrington, uh, who is now the Black Knight, uh, with uh, Gaia. And Olivia Coleman, I think that'd be really, really cool, actually. Um, I agree. I, I just, uh, I think what they're going to have to do, I think the only way you can fix Marvel right now is start bringing the X-Men out, start bringing out um, the Fantastic Four and do a good job at it. If you don't do a good job at it, it's a dead brand. I, I think the next couple films of A-Bomb, they're just going to, it's just going to be like the stuff from the 90s. It's going to be like the straight to video or streaming services because yeah fans are losing interest i mean there's going to be no the fan base is right probably at, i would say at 20 percent right now that would watch it i'm not saying the average person won't grab and see it just because it's a superhero movie but i don't think that the comic fans same with gi joe it's like larry hammer created every character in gi joe and since he's kind of canceled i guess for speaking his mind um they don't use him to write any of the films, but he created the whole universe. He should be the one who's has some creative say in the stuff, just like some of the creators for some of these Marvel characters, if they're still alive. If not, some of the good writers with some of the better stories should be the ones who are at least consulting on the films instead of saying, hey, we need somebody to do something at this point in time and this yeah. point in time. Then the rest of the stuff is you can make up as you go along. It's like that doesn't work. Let's throw out one more thing before we take a classic cut break and let's talk about the Loki season two trailer. One thing I'm really excited about, we saw Kei Huquan. Uh Huquan. Yeah. Because uh I remember Big Paul, you said that he should have been in, in Indiana Jones and oh, he should have been in Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. But oh, I think yeah. the thing is that, that that was already in the can after his um career resurgence in everything everywhere. You no, know, they refilmed oh, they, they refilmed that whole ending and he could have easily shown up. He could have been like Yeah. He could have oh. been the taxi driver that brought uh, Marion in with the girl. Like, it could have been yeah. that little end scene where he just walks in for 30 seconds. Like, yeah. I completely yeah. agree. You could have brought him in and he found out that he sided with Marion in the in the divorce stuff and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're getting him in. Anyway. Low-key. What did you think of the trailer? Love you loved it. I liked it. I it liked good, it right? a lot. Yeah, and it looks like they're going back in time. And going to, I guess, where we saw that post credit scene with, I guess, Jonathan Majors is not canceled yet in one okay. of his uh, his variant uh, iterations um, from, what time period would you call that? Uh, yeah, but was, was, that film, was that film before? Because that might have been filmed before he got canceled. Yeah, but they delayed releasing it until they found out how his court cases went. 
So Loki was supposed to come out to be earlier this year. And uh-huh. until his court, like, because all of that's been filmed for a while, until his court cases came out and they, they kind of exonerated him for it. Then Did they exonerate him? He's still fired, right? No. No, no, I think they're keeping him. Yeah, he he was found not guilty. He was he's actually I think he was suing the girl for defamation of character because of yep. like all oh the money it God. cost him. Uh, yeah. And then by them putting him back into Loki and showing his face so prominently in the trailer, they're saying yep. that they're going forward with the Kang Dynasty. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. He was able to. I mean, what an ordeal. That Jonathan Majors yeah. uh, pro- provided that he is certainly not guilty in in this case, which apparently this is that's what it's showing based on. Um, but he does have an August third uh, court date. He does have an August third court date, so we do have. To was that the same that. woman or was that a different woman? It's the same woman. Same woman. Okay. He, I was wondering if he had more allegations. Yeah, domestic dispute with, but you know, yeah, you know, Tom Hiddleston, you know, Owen Wilson. I mean, it's a heck. Heck of a trailer. Um, and uh, I can't wait. Can't wait for season two of Loki. But yeah, guys, I think it's a good time to uh, take a classic cut break. And uh, our first uh, pre-recorded interview. Well, um, we lost a music icon. It's an O'Connor. And um, she had an amazing voice. She sadly had battled some mental uh, illness. Um especially after her son passed away in January and um, all signs are pointing uh, to that Sinead O'Connor all uh, had passed away due to taking her own life. So um, this particular song was written by Prince, but it's, it's probably Sinead's most known song. Um, So yeah, guys, this is Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. Um, What a song. I mean, when you hear the song, you know how amazing her voice is and what a true talent yeah. that Sinead O'Connor was for sure. Um, he died at the age of 56. And um, but, but did she ever recover from the Pope thing or no? Or that on Saturday Night Life? Or was that what got her canceled in the first place? That was in place? 1992. I think her career went downhill after that. Because before no, that, that, that really actually cool. like fueled interest in her and got her, like, her record sales went up after that. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Interesting. Uh, controversy uh, creates past in that case, and she was not canceled. But nonetheless, here is, guys, uh, we're going to play the classic cut. Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor and um, right after that our interview with Bonnie Gordon he's the voice of the computer from Star Trek Prodigy the singer she does uh, Weird Al Yankovic inspired uh, song parodies true talent that we got to talk to at Shoreleaf so uh, that interview right after that so we'll be right back right after the classic cut for more TV and of course some wrestling <laughs> so we'll be right back after that Guys, 
We're here with the amazing, the super talented Bonnie Gordon. Oh, Voiceover actor, actress, singer, performer. Am I missing anything? Uh, world domination, future. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, I think you nailed it. Uh, that nice. was a great introduction. All right. What <laughs> else do I do? I'm excited. Give me more. Yes, yes. And, and uh, this uh, Shore Leaf convention has been amazing. We talked to you last year. Yeah. You're back again. You know, uh, I tell, have them all fooled. Yeah, you, which is fantastic. Uh, how has your Shore Leaf uh, experience been so far? Oh, my gosh. Uh, first of all, I, lo I love this con. The, the small, like, sci-fi and fantasy uh, fan-run cons. Yeah. Especially Shore Leaf. It's been so much fun. Um, it's like it's like coming back to, like, a family reunion. The, the, yes. When when these these smaller cons have been going on for so long, and and you can just tell like the community's so tight. There, he, everyone's here celebrating the fandom, celebrating the guests, the programming. So much fun. Um, yeah, I just I've just really enjoyed it, and everyone's yes. been so wonderful. Everyone from like the guests to the other performers to the staff, like everyone's been so wonderful. Right. Um, and then speaking of programming, you're a part of this masquerade performance. Yeah. Where you you entertained us with some of your great parodies. Thank you. Including Miley Cyrus's version of Wrecking Ball, which is a Pokemon version. Yes, yeah. my version is Pokeball. Yeah. Uh, I try and cover as many fandoms as possible. Like, yes. yeah, this this uh, this con I did I did like a some songs on Friday night. I did a full concert at 11 a.m. yesterday, and then the masquerade. So my voice is a little tired, but um, it was so worth it. And I got to put I got to sing um, a whole bunch of different fandoms. I did songs about like D and D, Pokemon, yeah, Star Trek, Star funny, Wars, yeah. uh, uh, Princess Bride. So I was trying to get as many fandoms as I could for in for Tell everybody. Tell us about the um, the songwriting process of creating some of your parody songs. What's what goes through that process of, of writing the song and the lyrics? Yeah. So usually it's I know all the fandoms and all the the things I want to sing about, yeah. and it's usually just matching it up with a song that I want to sing. So um, if there's like a song that I sing a lot at karaoke, or you know, like a song yes. that I know will be good for my voice. Yes. I'll, I'll try and uh, figure out how to fit it into some kind of fan. Them. Nice. Um, or if I if I want, I'll just write an original song about something. So yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. And of course, you're the voice of the computer in Star Trek Prodigy, Acknowledged. which <laughs> which we sadly got some unfortunate news getting pulled from Paramount Plus. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And and what could we see in the future of Prodigy? Perhaps another network, their sure. streaming platform. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't have any of the actual behind the scenes knowledge of what's going on on that end. Yeah. But I do know that uh, Dan and Kevin. Hageman, the creators of the show, and Aaron Walkie, one of the producers as well. They've been very um, very open with talking about it over Twitter and in social media. And um, the whole hashtag of Save Star Trek Prodigy has been going everywhere, which is amazing. The fans have been incredible with, with keeping the buzz alive. Um, they don't seem too worried, so I'm not going to be too worried. Because right as of right now, yes, uh, Paramount Plus canceled Star Trek Prodigy, but production is still happening, and they're still oh, finishing it. It's still happening. Well, they're, No, well, they're still finishing season two oh, no matter okay. what they're going to finish it oh, and so production's going to be done on it and good. I think then they're going to try and shop it around to other streaming services yes. and other platforms so just keep your fingers crossed keep the buzz going and hopefully it'll find a home they'll find a home for it do you have a preference on the home? I would be happy to I, see it anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. anywhere. <laughs> I mean, even if it just goes, you know, direct to DVD or something. I, I just, I, yes. after, you know, season one was so special and wonderful. Yes. And um, I can't obviously give anything away, but season two blows it out of the water. So, wow. Yeah, it's it's incredible. They've they've created something so special with this show. So. That's, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. You talked to Riley Alice Rocky, who plays one of the characters yeah. in Prodigy. Yeah, uh, at, at the Rock Talk at the Farpoint Con. 
on and now we're talking to you and yeah same thing yeah. it's it's a great the characters have so much growth and there yes. and there's so much story to uncover now that they finally have gotten to the federation you know now now yes. the world is endless literally the worlds the galaxies <laughs> are endless yeah do you think prodigy could translate to a live action I think so. I mean, I feel like any medium could could translate over multiple different um, different versions of itself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's already the video game. There's already books being made of, yes. of Prodigy, yes. and you know, sure, I'm sure it would. I would love to see it come to life, uh, live action. I, I do also love that um, Prodigy just connects with so many different people of all ages, and also yeah. with um, all the different alien species they have represented in all different sizes. I feel like Prodigy is super special. Yeah. Showing different, you know, different types of what Starfleet can be, if that makes sense. Yes. Now, what fandom have you not done a voiceover um, work for that you would love to do voiceover work for? Oh gosh, so many. Uh, I would love to do something with Star Wars, because I, lo- I love yes. Star Wars as well. Yes. But I would also love to do something fantasy-related. I'm a big fantasy geek. Okay. Um, you know, maybe something along the lines of... Uh, I- for me, I'm actually trying to pitch a couple of my own kids shows right now. So oh, I would wow. like I would like to create my own show uh, yes. and and work with you know educational programming for children. So that would be fantastic. Comedy, yeah. music, and k- getting kids back into reading and libraries and using their imagination. And I love that. And especially what we saw uh, last night with your parody songs. Now, have you thought about reaching out to Weird Al to collaborate? Oh man, I would love to. <laughs> Weird Al, call me. <laughs> um, no, uh, obviously that's like the dream to work with someone like him. Yeah. Um, and he's a true inspiration and a true, you know, I, I grew up listening to Word Owl and, and yeah. being inspired by what he's written. Right. So, and that's just what, what really got me started doing it. It's just like, why not just share my love for music and all these different fandoms I have and put it to music to share with everyone. Words, words are coming out. Words are, words are happening. I, it's the after party. I know. Yeah, the, the um, basically like all the all the things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. It, it's, I'm a big believer. Like life should be like a musical. When you don't have the the words to express your emotions, sing them. So yes. all the fandoms and all the nerdy things that I love that I build up inside, I get to sing to everyone else and have them enjoy it with me. So fantastic! Yeah. Wow. Uh, any other things to promote before we end the interview? Oh my gosh. Um, um, well, I just released a new solo album called Con Artist. So okay. if you look up my name, Bonnie Gordon, you can find that everywhere where nice. music is sold. It's a it's an album of nerdy covers, jazzy covers, and originals as well. Nice. And also, uh, I got I'm shooting a new uh, live action sci fi series pilot in the fall. Oh wow! So looking forward to that. So keep your eyes. Built. What can you tell us about the pilot? It's based off of a novel, um, oh, cool. a, a sci fi novel, and it's about um, an entire city in New York getting abducted by aliens so it's going to be a lot of fun. How about your character? Can you t- t- tell us a character? I don't think I can Not talk about yet. my character yet but okay. if you look it up on IMDb you can see what my character's name is apparently. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, okay. yeah. Check it out on IMDb people <laughs> or IMDb Pro sure. if you're like us. <laughs> Get that star meter anchor. That's right. That's right. Bonnie, thank you so much for talking to thank us here you. on Below the Belt Show if you could let us know who you are throughout Star Trek Project whatever you want and let us know you're on Below the Belt. Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Bonnie Gordon from Star Trek Prodigy, and you're watching Below the Belt. All right, guys. We are back here on BTB. Yeah, that was Sinead O'Connor 
rest in peace and nothing compares to you an amazing amazing song she's such a talent she will be missed of course my interview with bonnie gordon voice actress extraordinaire at one and only shortly pond in hunt valley um but uh we have a new well, we're doing a tri- uh, our tributes at the end, so uh, don't forget. Okay. I was saying, right. yeah, yeah, song from him too. <laughs> well, you you like to you like to jump the gun, Big Paul. But I do plan on playing a Pee Wee's theme at the end of the program. Oh, okay. Yes, but let me get the Pee Wee a little later. Let's go ahead and introduce our guest co-host joining us for the second half. He's a new dad, so congratulations yes. to the one and only yes. cosplayer extraordinaire. Former professional wrestler Wes Whitlock, Wes, and have you champion of last week? That's or right. Last, uh, <laughs> that's right. You are the BTB pay per view yeah, champion with the uh, Money in the Bank pay per view, an unprecedented six out of seven matches predicted correctly. Um, wow, I was last place with only three out of seven. Uh, Michael and Paul both with four out of seven. So. Picks are going to come a little later. Um, let's uh, just finish up some television, some other stuff going on in entertainment. Um, first of all, another Disney Plus thing that I did want to mention is the Lando series and just announced Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover are teaming up to write the Lando series. And now I got to admit, well, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the best, better, better aspects of the solo mm-hmm. movie, in my opinion, was Donald Glover's. Yeah, portrayal of Lando. I thought he, he was very strong uh, um, as the younger younger Lando character. Of course, now you can do CG, but um, as long as he doesn't have the robot girlfriend. Well, not she's the and he's a, she's the what do you call it, the Millennium Falcon now. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was Phoebe Waller Bridge, right? Yeah, she she's the she's the so, unless he's in love with the Millennium Falcon in this TV show, that would be a little weird. But yeah, so I guess that's the next um, series and production, of course. Justin Simeon, who was previously attached to develop the Lando series, exited um, right before the, the Glover yeah, brothers signed that's on. That's good. So. I mean, the Glovers are good writers. I mean, it's a shame their Spider-Man series didn't get more love. I mean, I thought their Spider-Man series was good. I haven't I seen it. They did a live-action cameo in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, uh, cameos. It was a uh, Homecoming and then um, beyond. Uh, I mean, across Spider-Verse. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see he had two two cameos by Donald Glover. Um, but that's Disney Plus. Um, not much on Netflix. It's interesting because th- there's not a lot of television news because of the strike, both the writers and the actors. So don't really have that much. But um, there's a film on Netflix. I'm very intrigued by this film. Um, I know you, you guys probably aren't rom-com fans, but you might be a fan of interactive type of things. And this is a first for Netflix, I think. It's called Who's Love. It's a Netflix interactive film. I checked checked out the trailer, and while you're watching the film, you can like choose whether you want the protagonist to kiss the guy or wait. You can um, choose whether to argue with someone or be silent. I just saw some of the examples in the trailer. It's very intriguing. I was very um. Is it kind of like the '80s things where you used to have to choose like what what happens to the characters or something at the? Remember that? Choose your adventure books. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like that back in the day. Like you, you conned a number or something. Even like the Robin, like people had to choose if Robin died or lived, and people chose he died. So, 
Yeah. No, there used to be books that were choose your own adventure, and you, you yeah, could, I remember you those too. Side, and you like you had to turn to a certain page in order to mm-hmm. to make that choice or whatever. That's pretty. Yeah, neat. I have I have, still have mine from back in the day. They're awesome, and they're they fun, always end right? in death, but yeah. Yeah, and so I think th- this is a genre that they can do more films. Well, you know, they need to, are they going to do a new Clue movie? Because they could do that easily with a Clue movie the way they the exactly. last one showed. Yeah, but I think this is uh, the beginning of something really, really cool that Netflix is doing, are these interactive films. So um, hopefully they'll they'll come out with something more for the guys, you know. I mean, these these are the the this one's a rom com. So um, I mean, and, you could derail the entire romance if that's what you want to do. You can. <laughs> you can. You have to. At this particular film, you got to choose which of the three guys that she's gonna fall in love with. Is it that she's gonna stay with her husband? Is she gonna like leave her husband and fall in love with her coworker? Like it's oh yeah, that's home wreck. This shit. That's a home wreck <laughs> for sure. Um, oh, also on Netflix, uh, Witcher season three debuted the top spot as of Netflix most watched TV list. And I know Wes, you're a big Witcher fan, aren't you? Uh yes, but we take we're taking our time, so I've only seen um episodes one through six of season three. Um, which okay. as a person who read the books and time and contempt is my favorite of the Witcher books so far, they're doing a decent job of hitting all the, the important bits. They're telling a lot of the story out of order, but what they're, what they're adapting actually is pretty close. Uh, there's a couple okay. things that were like, obviously their own little creations, but overall it's not season three. So, I mean, uh, season two. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not season two. Yeah, so the the volume two. Uh, yeah, just Campbell said he wasn't very happy about the direction before. Well, everything I've read is uh, he, there's no there's not one thing to pinpoint, but he just he doesn't agree with the uh, the writer staff and the the showrunner because they want to change shit, and he's like, no, I want to. I I feel like Henry Cavill and myself would be like we'd get along really well because I feel the same way about all this yep. shit. I right. don't want to yep. see. Um, a Game of Thrones version of Witcher. Well, I don't want to. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I can't think of a, a director's name. Like, I don't want to see a Martin Scorsese, Scorsese's version of Batman. I want to see the comic book yeah. Batman brought to life. I don't need somebody else's adaptation. Like, that's not what I'm here for. So well, we I had understand. this discussion with a uh, Secret Invasion. Like, I was saying, like, the, they were told just to make sure two scenes were in there and they can make up whatever they want. It's like that's stupid. <laughs> Am I right? Well, it has an IP that people know. It's like, hey, yeah. you have to make sure this happens and this happens. You can do anything else with the rest of the story. It's like, that makes no sense. I That's haven't true. seen that because I haven't yeah, heard good things. Yeah, it wasn't that. good. Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about that before you joined, Wes. Um, also on Netflix, there's an animated comedy called Disenchantment. It's Matt Groening's uh, series that's, um, of course, well, they've had that before. Simpsons. What is, it? is it a new season of it? Yeah, new seasons. They just dropped a, a brand new um, trailer to coincide with the final ten episodes of this channel. Cool. Um, have you? Did anybody check it. out the new Futurama yet? No, dude, I haven't seen it yet. I want to. I've though. been watching the first two episodes. It's pretty good because I mean they remember all the old stuff from like even twenty years ago. Oh wow! So whoever's writing it is like paying attention to like older storylines and kind of continuing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is good because I mean, like I think it, when County Central had, they kind of glossed over some stuff and just kind of just 
did their own thing. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to check it out. Billy West was a great interview that we had at Farpoint Con, which is uh, another fun con. Um, HBO Max, I don't have much, um, but HBO has renewed the Righteous Gemstones for a fourth season. So if you're a fan of that show, I'm a fan of the show. I'm just a little behind. Um, I started season two, and I know they just uh, finished season three, but the fact they're getting a fourth season, that's pretty, pretty awesome. I don't know. I think they, I think they should have stopped at season three because I think they're just stretching it out now. And I, I think it's kind of losing its luster a little bit. It's one of those shows, kind of like the rest of development. I only saw the Trust first two episodes of season three. I haven't seen the rest yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the rest, rest of development was really good, and you kept stretching out and stretching out, and it just kept getting worse over time. So it's, I think it's kind of like that. I don't know. I mean, Eastbound and Down is still the strongest, I think, of Dynamic Bride's mm-hmm. uh, series, in my opinion. But uh, I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Pretty solid. Um, if you're a fan of the morning show, they just dropped a third season trailer. Um, nah, I never really got into uh, yeah. uh, the morning show. Um, although I do respect Jennifer Aniston, and, and um, more importantly, um, um, oh my God, um, Mark Duplass. He is he stands up for. The actors that are you know trying to make it in the industry um, that's what you he, he actually posted about how certain crew members were rude to background extras on set and uh, he was like defending um you know um the background you know actors and telling them that you have to treat them with respect you know just like anyone else you know that's a part of the crew which is uh very very important but uh cool. i guess we can talk about the sag strike um the Emmy Awards, yep. they're moving their um, date, their usual air date, uh, in September as the writers continue their strikes against um, the big media, the, uh, the CEOs, the multi-million, billion-dollar CEOs like Bob Iger. Um, and it makes sense because you can't, if you can't have the celebrities, the actors at the Emmy Awards, you know, because of the strike, why, why have, why still have it? I think time? you could, I mean, but is it the host that needs the writing? I mean, what they could do is just get a good stand-up comic that could come up with their own uh, material. And unlike some of the late night show hosts that can't do it, I mean, just to have them host it, you know what I mean? Cause it's not like you're promoting anything because it's all already stuff that's done. Right. But, yeah. I, but I, I do think the best thing is to, is to postpone it. I mean, cause you have so many, you know, people that are recognized for their work. And if they can't be there, it's just going to be a crap. Well, I mean, no, I'm saying, so why, why can't they, why can't they be there if they're not promoting anything? It's like, I don't, if they just come and say, Hey, I'm getting a reward for this, this movie. And they show a scene. Yeah. It's like, they're not really promoting it. It's just, but they're, they're, they're promoting reward and for recognizing the studio work that was done. That was the issue. Uh, okay. It's, it's included in struck work, basically, whether it's, Stuff, you know, a lot of these shows, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of these shows are streaming shows uh, and um, very, Abbott Elementary, I think it's the only show that's on network TV that was nominated. Really? I think, yeah, I think every show was a part of a streaming um, platform, you know? Um, I, I think that's, that's the issue too. Because I, I, I don't think the money's in streaming. I mean, don't get me wrong. They that's make money. The problem. But, that's where we're on. Straight. I don't think the money's in there. So it's like, when you're asking for more money from something that's not making money, it's like, that's not, it's not going to work. And it's, it's just going to be a yeah. competitive well, loop. So this, this goes back to like the very, very beginning of the show. Like the, 
you know, the whole thing that Sarah Silverman is talking about with that's good. Uh, Let's go into Sarah Silverman for sure. Yeah. So yeah. like, uh, SAG after giving independent film companies like A24, which I think A24 is moving out of being independent. Like they're getting way yeah. large. Their their box offices are still pretty huge. They're getting public. Yeah, money. everything everywhere. But like yeah. the the issue is, is that all of these independent movies that are getting made, they still have to be released somewhere. And if they get released on Netflix, if they get released on Hulu, if they get released on Max, like any streaming service, the issue is still going to be the residual checks because, right. you know, independent movies aren't going to pay what Marvel, Disney and all no, these other not. places are going to pay, you know, right. and so the actors are going to get less. And then the streaming numbers, there's no transparency in that. So there's no, like, it's basically... What ends up happening, and this is where uh, James Gunn's brother was talking about it, like the studio licenses the show or movie to Netflix, right? Netflix pays a single time licensing fee. Netflix gets millions to billions of dollars every month and sometimes more when those get movies come onto that platform, even for right. a period of time. You know, they're making like billions of dollars every month to be able to be trans like the issue is you could still be transparent with your numbers you could say just like a regular television network has to do we have this many viewers we mm -hmm. estimate this much this is what your residual is going to be but netflix and hulu and those are like well we licensed it so we don't need to tell you the numbers so it doesn't matter if we're making gangbusters through uh memberships because but the of thing it, is do you think what they might be doing do you think okay not, not to interrupt but do you think what they might be doing is saying trying to make something seem like it hits when it's not and saying the numbers are real high when they're not purposely just try to promote the show, even though they're not making the money on it. And then that's why they're trying to hide the numbers or is there a way to even track the numbers of who's watching each individual show? Oh, you could absolutely track the numbers. They're just never going to share the numbers. The Netflix issue is, is that only, most of these... Netflix is the only one that the reveals the hours viewed. They're the only right. um, streaming platform okay. that does but that. I, and they're not paying royalties on hours viewed. They're just paying a straight licensing fee to the studio. So Netflix can ultimately make more money on the other side of that licensing deal based yeah. on memberships. But, uh, uh, what, about like, what about like somebody like an app, like who was uh, Amazon? Amazon's losing money on everything they make just because they were stupid and paid too much money for IPs that just make no sense for them because they don't know what they're doing. But like a show to call like that, I mean, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings show, it's like they were paying billions of dollars for an episode that definitely does not get the views to justify it. So how does that work? Right, they, because they're going to have to take a loss on everything else because of that the, the stupid decision they made. Well, they can take a loss on that, but they'll make money when they pick up uh, the streaming rights for rentals for the new Little Mermaid. Or they'll pick up the oh, yeah. streaming rights for the A24 movie that's going to make money right. hand over fist like Megan and all of those, like mm -hmm. those independent movies that are getting SAG waivers now yeah. are going to make money for free streaming platforms in about yep. six months. So okay. this ne the, the streaming platforms can be like, you guys can take as much time as you want. We're still getting revenue because movies are getting made and we're not having to pay residuals because we pay one-time rates. Like it's Tubi's the only one I think mm -hmm. that really does really fair on streaming residuals yeah. compared to anybody else interesting to be out of all of them but let's uh, remind the audience about what sarah silverman talked about so at first she was very very angry about all these films that were being shot you know during the strike all these independent films she called them scabbing she's like like what mm -hmm. the fuck it's cat it's scabbing 
you've read that so clear that it's scabbing and now all of a sudden movie stars can make movies if they're indie movies she concluded that there is a time when actors should say yes again to acting that's called the end of the strike motherfucker she was like throwing out all these yeah. f-bombs and craziness um but apparently she changed her tune a little bit um since then um after meeting with fran drescher the nanny who was the president of sag and uh talked to her a little bit about it um uh, but at first she was definitely slamming she was definitely slamming um the films that were in production at first but um yeah it's interesting um um, yeah, well, I lost the commercial because I had to make clarify something. I didn't clarify enough. I didn't figure out the clarification enough time because yeah, uh, because of that. I mean, apparently you can do commercials, I guess. So then I didn't realize that. So oh yeah, I, commercial, commercials are not a part of the AM. No, it was a set, it was a set commercial. That's what what kind of threw me off. So I, I had to yep. check into that before I did. And by by the time I got back, it was too late. Yeah, but I actually was booked for it. And it was just I had to. I couldn't. Yeah, I said I made time to it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, one particular project with, with Viola Davis uh, with MRC called right. G2O, that actually will not move forward um, with the interim agreement. Apparently, Viola Davis did not want to proceed with the uh, with the uh, project. You know, she's tapped she's tapped the star and produce in that project. Okay. So yeah, um, and this is this is where I kind of agree with Sarah Silverman's point is that the streaming platforms that these things are going to get distributed to can go, can literally use these independent movies to wait out the negotiation tactics with the major, you know, platforms because the independents just want to get their movies out there and they can, Netflix can ride the wave of that revenue and let that go without having to pay exorbitant licensing fees for the next little mermaid or anything like that yeah because a24 is going to make the money no matter what like a24 yeah. is knocking shit out of the park left and right especially like the new five night at freddy's is going to come out whatever platform that lands on that's money hand over fist and that's yeah that's kind of going against what uh wga and sag and after are saying is that like where's the bargaining chip for wga and sag after with the major distributors when streaming can still go off and make their money elsewhere and stall yeah, out having mm -hmm. to deal with like changing their licensing policies. So I get their point, but I also get shit needs to get made. So well, my main issue with the strike is, and this is something that needs to be addressed more is the, um, the AI. I mean, like the AI is going to take cost people their jobs. I mean, it's like, and there's no reason to cast anybody if you can use the best actors likeness forever. You know what I mean? That is one of the major, major things that, 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 that should be resolved. the major. I, yeah. I mean, the residuals are one thing, but that's the major thing because it's like you could have Tom Cruise in every movie if you want him in every movie and for a fraction of the cost. Like right now, you could do that right now with um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Willis, because Bruce Willis signed up for his rights. So forever, anybody can make a diehard movie every weekend of the year if they wanted to. Using yeah, a yeah. Bruce Willis. Paying they're still in paying for Bruce Willis's likeness. Like, yes, but that, that hurts the jobs for anybody else. So nobody else, we would never get a job in a million years because we're not known, but Bruce Willis could be on films for, for the next 50 years. So there'd be no future for anybody else other than the main big names. You know what I mean? Or Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Like it's like, I don't, I don't think that's right. Yeah. yeah. But I also like an Indiana Jones, the latest Indiana Jones movie kind of proved this. Like, the the AI technology and the the 
de-aging and all that, that technology is not there enough to make lifelike characters last. But in five years, it will be. Maybe, so we need to we need we need to like step in now and say hey or like even like if you want to go back to even Charlie Chaplin I mean he was a famous comedian if somebody wants to see him he would take the job of some up and coming comedian that might never get a shot because you're using somebody who's a known commodity. Where where did you read five years that they're going to get to that level? Um, at the rate is progressing, they say like they they already have programs that you could actually um. They could tell you, like, like if you, let's say you want the next uh, Back to the Future movie, there's AI programs that can write it and actually show you a rudimentary uh, version of it right now wow. that exists. I mean, and they say that the rate it's going, they say within five years you could do exact face. They say that's that's going to be scary for some of the elections. That's just going to be yeah. scary for everything because you could. They're already using it in election ads. I mean, the Santa's used it against Trump, so it's like that's. It's not going to say it's going to happen. And it's wow. just getting. Oh. Well, um, I know that we are going to be talking about wrestling soon. So I'll throw out one more thing um, on celebrity gossip. Um, so Kevin Spacey cleared all nine charges in his UK criminal trial. So, yeah. So um, apparently just shy of his 64th birthday. It's like the ultimate birthday president ultimate birthday present that uh, Kevin Spacey was found not guilty. And um, he was I think he's emotional. guilty of something. Maybe he might not have been guilty of everything that they said, but I'm pretty sure he's probably guilty of something. I'm pretty sure he was because I've heard a lot of things on the House of Cards. Uh, yeah, I know. I've heard, I, I worked on the set. Like I said, people were telling me stuff before he got in trouble. So it's like, I'm pretty sure. And then and there's pictures of him and Epstein and it's it's obvious. It's like he's yeah. been doing that for years. He's he's definitely not the moral moral compass that people should follow for sure. And, and he uh, has no he has no remorse. Like I mean, like when that guy came out of, against him, he was like, "Oh, that happened. It happened." That's what he basically said. He didn't even well, have any remorse about it. It was Elton John that saved him. He testified that he was not at a particular event where one of his accused um, said that he um, took advantage or sexually. Like, harassed him at a particular event in a certain year and Elton John said that he wasn't there that year and I think that really right there helped him and um, now he's now Kevin Spacey thinks that he can be hired now that he's cleared all, all these charges I don't think uh, he's a, isn't, he, isn't he out of a SAG right now I think they took him out of SAG I don't, yeah, um, I don't think he that's a good question I'm not sure I, I thought SAG I thought SAG so Spacey's working right now. He's making independent movies. Yeah, he's doing it overseas, but he can't do SAG films because I think he's actually banned from SAG films. I mean, I think he's like, I think he was dis, I think he was like, yeah, that's out of why he does stuff overseas, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Polanski, isn't that why he like did all his films overseas because he got in trouble in the U.S. for stuff? That's why he fleed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was making films. In, he didn't get in trouble. He, he, he was still stuff. making films overseas, and they were he was just, they were distributing them in the U.S. Yeah. Well, anyways, why don't we move on to wrestling? I think Wes is. Uh, okay, sorry about that. That's okay. We want to keep sorry, Wes I, I don't know anything about any of this this stuff, so I'm that's just okay. like. And right. and again, congratulations, Wes. Thank you. Hey, congratulations. Yes, the new addition to the family, a future cosplayer. Yeah, sure. definitely, definitely, definitely. Are you dressing your baby up in all this uh, cosplay already? I'm sure you are. No, no, no. Not no, yet. No, no, no. Okay. Oh, come on! <laughs> Tell me that you're going to do a baby Kal-El rocket photo shoot. 
Well, no, uh, she's a girl, so. <laughs> oh, Cara Zorro. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there you Cara. go. Cara. <laughs> you know, uh, her first thing is going to probably be a rocket, because um, I got her a little uh, like red uh, fox outfit, but it's got like the same sort of rocket raccoon tail and ears, and I already dress up as yeah. Star Lord occasionally, so. Yeah. That's awesome. And then obviously uh, the Witcher. But you could do the cable thing and the ba- baby hope. Yeah, yeah, I could do that too. But yeah, yeah, her name's Cirilla, so obviously we'll do Witcher stuff. That's nice. Awesome. Good. Yeah, good to have you back because uh, we didn't have you back for the picks. Uh, but you wrote them in and you won. Yes. So. Yes. You asked so me. I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. So let's, let's see this. if you can retain your um, picks championship. I and this one. Get this one. You're going to have to acknowledge me. (laughs) (laughs) We need a belt. belt. Yeah, we do. We we need to. I I think we can come up with a fun digital belt with a BTV logo on a belt. We'll make something fun. All right. (laughs) Let's start with the tribal combat for the undisputed universal title. That's right. Jay Uso, main event Jay Uso, challenging his cousin. Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal title. Um, I guess I'll start this one. Um, I predict that Roman Reigns will win. Roman Reigns, I believe, just surpassed um, Pedro Morales recently, and I think he's very close to surpassing um, Hulk Hogan. And I think they want they want to get well, they want to keep a strap on Roman. So my prediction, I believe that Roman Reigns will uh, beat Jay Uso. Um, I don't know. I I really can't. As much as he's over, I can't picture Jay Uso as your undisputed champion right now. I just can't. So my pick is Roman Reigns. All right, let's go to Wes, the defending champion. Uh, so yeah, he's a uh, 1,066 days. And uh, I, I don't think that Jay's going to uh, win. Um, I, I, this is just more of a vehicle to just put Jay over for the moment. It's not he's like he got that win over Roman and nobody's done that in three years. But I don't think they're going to put the WWE championship on. Well, I'm sorry, the uh, undisputed championship on uh, Jay. So I'm going with Roman as well. All right. Big Paul. I actually have to disagree. I think what they're going to do, and I don't think it's going to be a clean match. I okay. think that Jay's going to win by some kind of interference, either by Sokoa or his brother. And oh. it's going to set something up for future matches. And I, I, I just think Roman's going to win it back after that. But I think they're going to try to, I think Jay's going to win it. You think Jay's going to actually win the title? I think he's going to win the title because, I mean, I just. I Vince is in charge again. Vince was always a Hogan fan. Uh, well, except when Hogan ruined him. But I think I don't think he's going to let uh, Roman get the record yet. Yeah. I'm not saying that's okay. not going to happen in the future. I think it would be a better thing to. And as I said, it would give Roman more of a more fuel to fight the Usos okay. and his family, and then maybe work up that bigger program in the future. Okay. All right, Rainmaker Mike Doherty. Uh, this is where I agree with all of you and disagree with all of you. Uh, I agree with all of you. Roman is not losing the strap, uh, with the exception of, of Paul. 
I agree with Paul. I think Jay Uso is going to win, but he's going to win by like some DQ or some form of interference that's going to allow Roman to lose, but keep the strap. Because I don't think they've identified what the rules of trial by combat are. Yeah. Interesting. So I think by not announcing the rules, it's a, it's a trial by combat. It's a match we've never seen before. So right. it's going to be something that's going to allow them to keep the title on Roman, but give Jay the win so he can keep his momentum push. All right. All right. That's uh, some good predictions. All right. Let's move on to the WWE World Heavyweight title match. Seth Rollins defending against Finn Balor. Let's start with Big Paul for this one. I'm going to have to go with Seth Rollins. I mean, I just think think uh, he's going to be the next like Roman Reigns guy that just going to push to the moon because he just seems to have that momentum and charisma that they that Vince likes, and I, I think they're just going to keep pushing him. Okay, Mike Doherty. Uh, if I remember correctly, Becky Lynch is out with injury, and I think they're going it? to. Uh, recently might have been, yeah. Uh, double checking. Well, Becky Lynch um, will be fighting Trish in two weeks on Raw, so I'm not sure about that one, Mike. Uh, so this is July 24th. Uh, Becky Lynch discloses injury details, which almost cost her her match. So I'm wondering if they're gonna uh, drop it to Finn just to give Seth some time off. Because the last draw, they were really hyping the fact that, like, you know, if he wins, then Judgment Day becomes dominant with all the belts and all this other stuff. And I think that gives uh, Seth something to, like, gives Seth some time off, but also gives him to fight something to fight for. Because otherwise, you're just, like, burying Finn Balor again and again and again. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Judgment mm-hmm. Day is pretty over as a faction, so. Interesting. I'm all right, sorry. let's see. Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio are over. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. Not Dave. Mommy, let, and let's and let's go back. Mommy's way over more than anything else. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. All right, what do you think, Wes, for the uh, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor? This is the only the only one out of the list that I was like, I have no idea, um, because they they clearly they clearly want to keep teasing this. Like, I have the briefcase, but you're supposed to wait for me to win the belt. And I'm like, I think, I think Seth is going to retain, but I think there's going to be shenanigans. Um, I, I want to make, I want to say one thing when we're talking about Judgment, Judgment Day and the briefcase. I would freak out if, um, I'm sorry. What was your name again? The the hat. Uh, no, Paul. Paul. Oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. I remember Paul, but of the tribal combat, if Jay right. were to lose, but then beat the everlasting crap out of Roman, I would lose my mind if we get a cash in. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, so this wasn't even an option for me. I think what my choice of where he's going to cash in, I think Balor's going to win and be so out of it that Damian Priest cashes because they've already done the push and pull between the two of them. No, no, no. I mean on Roman. Like, no, no. I'm with you. Like, I, 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 I would love that. I would lose my absolute shit and happiness. But I think they're really pushing Roman to beat Hogan yeah. and kind of bury Hogan's numbers. 
yeah, so I picked Seth. So Seth by DQ or, or, or Seth by pinfall? Uh, I, Seth wins, um, but and against I, shenanigans. Yeah, for for the purpose of the picks, you, you just pick the winner, whether it's DQ or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to yeah. pick Seth. Yeah, I'm going to pick Seth Rollins as well. Um, I, I think Seth is going to have another big challenger down the road in uh, maybe Drew McIntyre. Um, so that goes on to our next match. So I am picking Seth Rollins to retain over Finn Balor. All right, the Intercontinental Title match. Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre. And who hasn't gone first yet? Uh, Mike Darty, you haven't gone first yet. Uh, I'm going to hate myself for this, but I think we're going to see uh, Drew get it. Drew I, I, is going to win. Really? I, I feel like Drew is going to get it because of after all the talk of like, is he leaving? Will he leave? all of that other fun stuff. Yeah. But I'm also conflicted because I feel like they're trying to do the same kind of push with Gunther as they are with Roman Reigns of like how long can right. he hold it? Yes. Now I would agree with you and I'll go next. But the thing is they have a joke of an intercontinental champion that has the longest record in hockey talk band. And in my opinion, I think they really want someone a little more dominant, a little more legit to, yeah. to break that record. So I think I think the the creative minds of WWE want the long term champions for now, and I think that Gunther will retain um, the championship. All right, big calls. I I agree with Al. I mean, I think Gunther is the guy that they want to push, and I think he's going to win and just go on the maybe even the next year just IC champion. Wow. Definitely, definitely defeating Honky Tonk Man. That, that's mm-hmm. all I see. I, I actually have a feeling that uh, Gunther is going to hold the Intercontinental Championship until WrestleMania. And we all all want to see the Brock Lesnar-Gunther match. I think that was like that dream match that we never saw yet. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm going with that. All right, Wes, who are you picking in the IC title match? I think uh, Gunther is going to retain. I think we're... If if Drew is going to stay in WWE, I think it's in their best bet to turn him back into the the Scottish psychopath. Um, so I hope that he, I hope that he he uh, Gunther wins. I hope that Riddle comes out during the match and he's the reason why he loses. And then uh, Drew just beats this shit out of um, uh, Matt Riddle and. Goes back to being a heel. Wow. Interesting. All right. I, based on that, I might have to change my pick, but I'm going to stick with my pick. I think I'm going <laughs> to. That's that sound. That's sound logic. I can't argue with that. that. That is really good logic. All right, Wes, we'll start this one. The triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship. Asuka defending against Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. Um, Oscar better win because I'm tired of her taking the back seat to Charlotte Flair. So I really hope that Oscar wins. Um, and then they kind of pivot, and Charlotte and um Belair can kind of feud over who gets the next shot, and then they can actually give some actual like dedication and screen time to Oscar because she's ever since she won the belt, she 
kids you like some people probably didn't even remember because she's not been the focal point so i'm like okay let them fight over there keep the belt on asuka and let her do something else interesting plus all right big she is awesome okay mine's gonna be like just completely out there and i might get this one wrong i think asuka's gonna win but i think eos guy is gonna come out with a briefcase and take it from her okay but for the purposes of our picks you're gonna pick um Oscar the retain. Yes. Okay. I mean, I just think that I think that that would just be a good setup for a feud for the future. Yeah, I think that's a good opportunity for EO Sky, but mm-hmm. I guess we're not going to predict uh, whether EO Sky's for the purposes of our picks. We're gonna pick one mm-hmm. because um, Mike Doherty. Uh, I'm going with Charlotte Flair. Only because of how little they've been pushing Asuka. Like, they have not treated Asuka well since she was so dominant in NXT. Like, I unless they're going to give it, let Asuka run with it and go back to NXT Asuka, I, I'm going to probably say Charlotte Flair. I could see Eosky coming in at the end and doing her thing and taking it off of Charlotte. But I think yeah. my bet's Charlotte. Just because they're not pushing Asuka at all. Like, they're not giving the champion a fighting feel. Yeah. And Charlotte is the one to dethrone Asuka several times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mike, I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm going to pick uh, Charlotte Flair as well. Um, I just feel with, with all the title matches on the card, and it is one of the major pay-per-views, there has to be, there should be at that things. That's the biggest party of the summer, right? And the most logical title change would be in in the women's uh title match so um yes of course eos guy could match in and win but we're, we're only dealing with the three um the three, women yeah. yeah Blair, bianca belair and asuka um and also i believe charlotte flair is she not close to um rick flair's record she might be i'm not sure yeah so I'm, yeah so i think with that with that logic, I think they want Charlotte Flair to reach that 16-time women's champion. I mean, she so. only took her like fucking 25 minutes. <laughs> um, everybody, everybody predicted the women's match, right? Okay. All right, moving on. The so the SummerSlam Battle Royal. So there are only several names announced for the Battle Royal. La Knight, Sheamus. And then on Raw, Shinsuke Nakamura, Tommaso Ciampa, Chad Gable, and Otis were announced as participants as well. So you can choose one of those names, or you can choose a completely different name that's not on the list of those names that I mentioned. LA Knight, Sheamus, Shinsuke Nakamura, Tommaso Ciampa, Chad Gable, and Otis. Okay. Um, I'm predicting LA Knight. Um, LA Knight has been really, really over the past few weeks on SmackDown. And I think he needs this big win. I really, really think he needs this big win. I think we're going to get some big returns in this battle royal, people that we haven't seen before, which, you know, is always interesting to see. Um, That's why I love the Royal Rumble, because I'm always curious who that, you know, blast from the past or who who, who they're going to bring in, you know. Um, so my prediction, yes, LA Knight. Um, I know Wes, you're not a fan of LA Knight, but um, I don't, I don't, 
I don't, I don't get his appeal at all. He's just a catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a catchphrase. Wes, who are you picking for the Battle Royal? This is going to be the one that I'm probably going to get like drastically wrong because I, I have no idea. Um, like When I say drastically wrong, like I'm purposely not going to pick LA Knight because they keep saying, oh, we're going to push him, we're going to push him, and then they don't. So I'm like, I think they're going to follow that, that suit. Um, so I'm just going to say something off the wall and crazy. Randy Orton. <laughs> oh, man. That could be the game changer. That could... <laughs> I know Randy Orton had been rumored to return um, sometime this year. I know he's been working out at the gym. Whether he's been medical cleared, we don't know. But I know that he is prepping for a return back. All right. Mike Doherty, who are you picking for the Battle Royal? Uh, I'm going with L.A. Knight only because of of the push that he's getting. Uh West, to your point, why people like he's a nostalgia act. Like, regardless of what anybody wants to say, like, he is the perfect amalgamation of Stone Cold and The Rock. And, you know, interesting. I didn't even think about that. If you, if you look at the kind of acts that WWE, like, if they could tie it back to something familiar, then they'll tie it back to something familiar. So that's, I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get the push. SummerSlam. All right. Darth Paul Wallace. Okay, I agree with Mike and Al. I mean, I think LA Knight's going to get it. I mean, he's he might not be the best worker, but he's good on the mic, and I think that's and I think that's what they're going to do. They're just going to push him and just whether he wrestles well, it just doesn't matter. I mean, I think he's just going to be a figurehead for the most part. Okay, uh, let's move on to the MMA rules match. This is a match I'm really, really looking forward to. And in my opinion, one of the harder matches to predict a winner for. But um, I think I went last, uh, first last time. So let's start with Paul for this one. You go first. Okay, well, I think it's going to be an easy one. I think it's going to be Baszler because, I mean, I think it sounds like uh, Ronda wants some time off. And I think they're just going to give it to her. So they're just going to have Baszler just do something to make her get hurt you know what i mean yeah interesting i did read about um ronda wanting some time off but it is now the time that we don't know all right going next wes who are you picking on ronda rousey versus shana baszler i also think baszler but i uh i had heard on uh well, x instead of twitter now um <laughs> that, that ronda wants to fight again like she wants to go back to the ufc and fight um something about holly home she's going to retire or something and so she's like i want to come back and holly home was the last person to beat the everlasting shit out of ronda so so like oh she's gone i'll come back um so uh i, I think it's going to be also uh to, to agree with paul like i think there's going to be some sort of like injury angle to like have ronda go away for an indefinite amount of time interesting interesting all right mike doherty i'm gonna i think we're gonna be three for four with Shayna Baszler. I like, I have been feeling for a while that they're moving Ronda out of the picture. And this is a, this would be Baszler beating Ronda in a one-on-one match is a push for Baszler that she's needed. And I think Baszler does need that win. So uh, I think we're all going to be unanimous, unanimous on this one. Although I want Ronda to win because I'm a fan of Ronda's. I think Shayna's actually going to win. So if I had a, 
if I had a choice of who I wanted to win, Ronda Rousey, because I'm a fan, but because of the, you know, reading about Ronda wanting to take some time off, um, I think Shayna Baszler will get this win. And um, I think we're going to see something very similar with Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar, where they're going to do a one match each. But I think Shayna's going to get this first win. So, but speaking of Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes, let's move on to that match. Um, this is the rubber match, guys. Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes, the third, the third time they both have one match. Let's start with Paul. Oh, other than that, I go with Cody Rhodes. I mean, I just think they're going to try to push this into WrestleMania, and it's like a Brock's the one that started the whole thing. So I think they're going to give it to Cody Rhodes, and then have Brock try to fight him in WrestleMania. Okay, okay, very straightforward answer. About US, what do you think on uh, Lesnar versus Cody? The last time I uh, I predicted this, I think this was the one I got wrong last time was uh, Cody and Brock, because um, I thought it was going to be two in a row for uh, Cody. But uh, uh, that one thing, the one thing that worries me is WWE really likes pissing off fans with Brock. But I'm gonna hope that. I'm going to hope that there's there's more to it. So I'm going to hope that Cody wins, and I, I really hope that this is it. Like, I don't want to – like, if, since there's no stipulation in the match, I don't want them to wrestle again. Just yeah. be done with it. Like, have Cody win. Have Cody be next in line for one of the two major championships. And he's on Raw, so it would make sense for him to go after Seth Rollins. Um world championship versus roman reigns I mean, he's so. already beat him three times so that's a very good point as well mike doherty who are you picking in uh this match uh this is the one i'm torn the most about yeah um, this is the one i'm probably gonna get wrong and i still feel like they're trying to do like the cody Rhodes like hard time storyline leading up to uh wrestlemania so i feel like he i'm gonna give this one to brock and really let them go for it's either going to be Brock Rhodes again for the big win at WrestleMania or that Cody's finally going to get a belt at Mania. Um, Cause that like outside of Dominic, he's been just getting pummeled as part of like the, the storyline that they've got him going on. Like I was shocked that they got that he got the win over Dom, but like, I don't know. I just feel like they're doing the hard time storyline with Cody. Interesting. And for him to win over Brock again would feel like the start of a big push. This is tough. This is extremely, extremely tough to predict. Um, I think, dude, this is a toss up, but I really do think, um, I think there's going to be a swerve here. I think a lot of fans are going to expect Cody to win, but um, Brock is a fucking beast, dude. Um, and he, Brock, he's one of the few talents on the roster that can make decisions about his his wins and losses. I believe, right? I, I think yeah. so. From what I've read, that he he does yeah, have. I think, some, you know, I think he's got like Undertaker level status of being able to call his own shots. Right. So um, I think there will be some effery, as uh, Wes alludes to. Uh, but I, I, I do think Brock will win. 
Um, he'll cheat to win. This time he will. He won't win, win cleanly, but I think Brock will win. That, that would be interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but has, has he ever cheated to win? Though that's the thing. It's like Brock's always been dominant, and it's always that would make him look weak. That's a thing. I think this particular win, he's gonna he's gonna win dirty. He's gonna win dirty somehow. He's uh, cheated, but never like he's never like held the tights or put his feet on the ropes. Right. He's like hit people with like the title or something, and then like yeah. smash yeah. them. Yeah. Or a cheap and, shot when the ref isn't looking. Yeah. yeah. Half match to predict. All right. Um. Wow. Logan Paul versus Ricochet, the final match on the card. I guess I'll start with this one. Um, man, I've, I've predicted Ro- Ro- uh, Logan Paul so many times and he's lost. So I feel like <laughs> this is his time. This is his time to finally win his match. Ricochet is not somebody that they're going to push to the moon. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel that finally Logan Paul will win. Um, Cause you know, last month I predicted that he would have won the money in the bank uh, briefcase, but he didn't. So I think it's time for Logan Paul to, to get the big W. And his brother is boxing uh, Nate Diaz that night, too. So it's going to be a big celebration for, for the, the Paul brothers. All right, going second, Mike Darty For the... Uh... Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to give it to Logan Paul. That's um, a lot of money to bring a guy like that in to have him lose, 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 lose. And I think you could you could make Ricochet a bigger name by having him lose and fight back than you could just by having him beat a Logan Paul. And I think it'll be a good match. I think it'll be a fantastic match. Could be the match of the night. All right, Wes. Yeah, I, I, Ricochet never wins. Like he wins like, <laughs> like every twenty matches he wins one, and then like then he'll go on like a twenty match losing streak. Uh, and I think they're just waiting for Braun to come back to put them back together because they they were getting over and they uh, seemed to to take a real life bullshit to turn it into something else. So yeah, I think I think Paul will win because there's no stakes in it. Like Ricochet always loses, so to have Paul like get like a gimme win, like great, you you've done you've done your part, you've put over people way better than you now we're gonna put you in a, in a match where you can win and nobody loses like you know yep. logan paul's got that. title matches he's been in high profile matches so to beat ricochet doesn't hurt ricochet and also ricochet loses all the damn time so all right and uh concluding our picks uh for the last uh selection is big paul who are you picking well, I, I agree with everybody else i mean i think Logan Paul, I mean, it's going to be a high-flying match as long as somebody doesn't get hurt. I mean, I think Logan Paul has a has the win. I mean, unless he gets hurt doing something stupid. But yeah. Well, those are our SummerSlam picks, gentlemen. So let's see if uh, Wes retains uh, the picks uh, championship. I don't know that Orton or... one's really out there. I mean, but that could knock us all out if he gets that. <laughs> that, that, that could be a big oh, yeah. surprise. The thing is, battle royals are usually reserved for like pre-card matches, like. That's why I think something yeah. big is going to happen, but like like a Randy Orton return, you know. So actually, how bad is Braun? Is Braun could come and just kind Braun, of clean Braun, house too, couldn't he? Braun Strowman. Braun's still very much hurt. Um, yeah, okay. he said he was. Uh, they said he had, he lost like fifteen percent of movement in his leg or something. Oh damn! Yeah, Braun's Braun's actually like got a 
they haven't said exactly what's wrong with him, but he it's clearly some sort of leg injury. So one match that was not on the SummerSlam uh, SummerSlam card is Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. I mean, they've been building that match yeah. for a long time, and I guess just for time reasons, they're not going to have it as part of SummerSlam. But now that match is going to take place the August 14th Raw uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Well, see, that would make sense because, I mean, uh, with uh, Trish being from Canada, too, so. Yeah. Yeah, but she's from Toronto, you know. This is another match that was supposed to, that people predicted was going to be on the uh, SummerSlam. They got moved to like a week or two after SummerSlam. I can't remember what it is now. Was it possibly the um, the United States uh, Championship? Um, No, no, I was just watching a a review thing with uh, What Culture, and... um, and they, I, I don't remember what it was now. And I literally watched it today. But this is the, the problem when you're raising a baby. Is sometimes information just goes out one out there. Yeah. You know. But interestingly enough, there's no U.S. championship. Awesome theory. Oh, oh it was, uh, it was, the, it was the other women's championship. Like ah, Raquel. Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah, yes. that was the other one that's going to happen at a later date. And it's like, well, yep. why weren't these two matches added to SummerSlam? So. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, we got seven matches, and they're they're going, you know, for us. I guess they're going to be decently paced, and you know, matches are not going to be any squashes. So, but now we're going to see the U.S. Championship defended as Austin Theory defends uh, against. Um, Actually, some, do you want to yeah, use that as a tiebreaker now? No, nah, because it's not and... SummerSlam. Okay. Uh, yeah, and we we don't know when that's gonna. Because if we all tie, it's like the. I think the tiebreaker is that battle royal, quite frankly. I, well, no, because we all pick LA Knight, so I don't know. We'll, well see we all didn't pick LA Knight. Wes might just luck out home, beat us all. He might. He might, man. <laughs> he got six out of seven last night. The second Randy Orton comes in there, it's like we're, we're all screwed. <laughs> and also conspicuous by his absence is Kevin Owens and uh, the tag championships. Sure. They won't be defended. As he's been yeah, dealing he's with a broken rib. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah that's why hurt. he wasn't at Raw, and it was uh, Seth Rollins teaming up with Sami Zayn. Um, yeah, Liv Morgan, so, Liv Morgan, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman, they're all hurt. Yeah, yeah that's unfortunate. A big master of big names. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and, of course, news on Randy Orton. Apparently, Orton is getting close to a return. Um, people are saying good things about his status. Thank God, because he had really uh, he had a really bad back injury, didn't he? He had to have his back fused. Yeah, so to recover from Bobby that, Bobby Roode's in the same boat, but he's apparently worse. He probably right. has a lot worse than Randy. Yeah, because Roode's has closer to his neck, right? Not just his back. Yeah. Uh, I think Roode's is a full fusion. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. It's it's like most of his back's got to get fused. Wow. What, was, what was Shawn Michaels? Was his the whole back too? I think Shawn's Shawn was pretty lower back. Lower back. Lower back. Yeah. It was from when um Taker threw him over the top rope and his back hit the corner of the casket. Yeah. It didn't even look the same. Bad. No. But that's Not the same really. thing with Hogan. Like Hogan's lost a couple inches because he's had so much fusions and surgeries yeah. in his lower back. Because that leg. Well, oh, left the Andre up. Yeah. Well, it's also like the leg drop. You're just full impact on your spine. Yeah, you're right. you yes. 
Speaking of spine, Vince McMahon uh, underwent major surgery uh, last week to fix an issue with the spine. So did they pull the horseshoe out of his ass? <laughs> <laughs> well, wishes to uh, Vince. I saw that he had major surgery, but it, I didn't see in the article uh, what it actually was. Yeah, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen what it was either. It says uh, yes uh, to fix an issue with his spine. So, um. But that that's it that I have for wrestling. So we're we're gonna wrap up, uh, of course, as we end um, BTB always with the rest in pieces. We had some major major celebrities pa- pass away uh, this week. Uh, let's start with someone that was a part of our childhood. Um, that's right, Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Playhouse, um, the the film Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, he sadly passed away at the age of seventy. He'd been battling cancer privately for years. Um, man, it's a really tough, uh, it's a tough hearing that because he kept it private. It was very, very, very close to Chadwick Boseman because they both kept their cancer private. So we didn't know. Yeah. So when we see that they passed away, we're kind of like jaws drop, you know? Same thing with Norm McDonald. Uh, same yeah. thing with Norm McDonald. So um, were, were either of you a Pee Wee fan, a fan of his work? Oh yeah, like, uh, that was a fucking gut punch to find out. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't yeah. like, I wasn't like, oh my god, I was just like, oh that sucks. Like, everybody mm-hmm. dies. Yeah, but didn't he just do a Pee Wee movie not too long ago on Netflix? Yeah, I believe there yeah. is. A couple of years There's ago, a, just a Christmas movie or something. Yeah. Now I want to watch it now after hearing that, you know. So. um of course, uh, he was known for inf- infamously jerking off in an adult movie theater, which <laughs> caused him to be arrested. Um, yeah, he would have. Can you imagine how huge he would be if he didn't, like, if that didn't happen? I mean, he he probably still be on. Like, he would have been like a legend. Because oh, I mean, the, that movie thing would have just. Yeah, but that movie oh. thing would have just kind of went. He would have had like probably four or five movies at least. Well, remember his role on Blow with Johnny Depp? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I mean, he probably wouldn't have had that, though. I think he would, he would have just stuck with the Pee-wee stuff because he was making so much money off the Pee-wee stuff at the time. There's no way they would have cast him for that role. So he was actually recently on the Connors on a TV show. He was also in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, he was also in an episode of What We Do in the Shadows. He was on Mystery Man. Uh, yeah, so Pee-wee did, was... Yeah. He was doing a lot. He was still regularly working as an actor. Um, of course, uh, the, the heartfelt tweets um, includes uh, Natasha Leone, who says um, Paul Rubens. Oh, so Jimmy Kimmel, sorry, said Paul Rubens was like no one else, a brilliant and original comedian who made kids and their parents laugh at the same time, which is true. Uh, his show was you kind of watch it um, and enjoy it as a kid, but you can also appreciate it as an adult. What about uh, the episode with him and Phil Hartman? Because, I mean, that's kind of... That's right. Yeah, Phil tra- was tragically killed many years yep. ago. I think his wife uh, shot him, which is one of the craziest things. Um, um, Funny thing and- is, like, a, you know what the weird thing is? Like, a, a friend of mine's friend was actually uh, Jombie. Yeah, Jombie. I remember Jombie the Genie. Yeah, a friend of mine's friend was dad was actually Jombie. I was like, eh, that's kind of cool. Your friend's dad was Jombie the genie. <laughs> my friend, no, no, a friend of my friend's dad was 
Jambi. Friend of a friend. So I actually met his. I actually met his like son, but I mean, I never met him himself. So a friend of. A I thought friend. that was kind of a cool a thing. As like as a kid, it's like that's like, hey, that guy's a. I know that guy. Yeah. And this one's really shocking and surprising and very, very sad. Angus Cloud, he's one of the actors from Euphoria. Um, of course, that was the uh, very realistic, very dark um, drama series um, starring Zendaya. He was only 25 years old. Um, apparently, there was a 911 call and a possible overdose. Uh, Angus did not have a pulse. Now, He'd been battling severe suicidal thoughts after getting back from Ireland where they laid his father to rest. So his father just passed away. So he's been dealing with, um, you know, with grief from his father passing away. And Angus was one of those lucky guys that just kind of got a, a break from just being friends with the right people. You know, he, in fact, Euphoria was one of his first acting gigs. And basically he is playing himself because he's, he's very rough around the edges. Um, and his character is too. Ironically, his brother, the actor that played his little brother, he was he was killed off in the series, and Angus lived on. But now, I'm really curious how they're going to handle Angus's character. Yeah, because that'd as, be weird if they killed both of them in the family. Exactly. So I'm curious how they're going to handle season three of Euphoria. Um, he had just wrapped a horror thriller called My Lucky Day. So he had like two movies in the can already. The guy was, uh, you know, was, you know, he, his career was taking off from Euphoria. So congrats to him. Um, um, yeah, Zendaya actually um, said that words are not enough to describe the infinite beauty that is Angus. I'm so grateful I got the chance to know him in this life. Call my brother to see his warm, kind eyes and bright smile, or hear his infectious cackle of a laugh. I'm smiling now, just thinking about it. So, very, very sad. Rest in peace, uh, Angus Cloud, only 25 years old. And very similarly, as you heard from the classic cut, we lost Senate O'Connor. Um, and that's a thing. Please, please seek help. If you're, if you're having suicidal thoughts, people, just, just reach out. There's a hotline, 988. Just just call the hotline, talk to somebody, get help. You know, um, there, there are people that care about you, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it just, it that's so happens that both Sinead O'Connor and Angus cloud seems like they both took their own lives, which is, yeah, I think what they need. That. I think I mean, that's the biggest thing that needs to be addressed in schools now is like mental health. I think that's, that's the, like the biggest thing in the, this country right now. It's just a, a lot of people are affected by Exactly. Just not. I, don't, I think it has to do with the internet. People just feel, I, I guess, alone, even though they're talking to people, because the internet's not like personable. I don't know. Yep. Stop letting people listen to the Twenty One Pilots. That's that's what I've been saying for all this time. Is it Twenty One Pilots mm-hmm. causing it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's uh, throw out the uh, rest of the rest in pieces and wrap up tonight's show. We also lost Randy Meisner. Bassist and founding member of the Eagles. Um, no, my Alexa's going off. <laughs> Alexa, stop. We also, we also lost Randy Meisner, bassist and founding member of the Eagles, who sang lead vocal on the band's first big hit, Take It to the Limit. Sally passed away at the age of 77 from pulmonary disease. 
one of the original Wizard of Oz munchkins. Apparently, there's only like two left now of the munchkins. And all uh, the cast is pretty oh, much... Did you ever hear that urban legend about the one that's on set? The one that hung himself? The one that hung himself, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. I that was the one the they lost. To first. That was the first one they lost. But we just lost Betty and Bruno. So oh, Betty was a child that played a munchkin. So they had like little people and they also had like kids. And she was one of the kids. Um, How old was she? Because she that yeah, she was, um, I think she was 91, 91, 91 years old. Okay. So, but did you also hear we lost the oldest man in the world? He was like 125. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, he just wow. died. He was like from Brazil or something. He was 125. And they say he has seven kids still living. It's like, if you're 125 and you still have seven kids living, it's like, that's crazy. That's, that's blessed. Yeah, that's very lucky. Uh, we lost Inga Swenson, nominated for three Emmys uh, for a role uh, in the sitcom Benson, passed away at the age of 90. Pamela Blair, uh, who originated the role of Valerie Clark in the Broadway Accords line, passed away at the age of 73. Julian Barry, uh, Oscar-nominated screenwriter uh, of the Lenny Bruce biopic Lenny, starring Dustin Hoffman, sadly passed away. And uh, Layla Goldoni, who's, who was the lead in John Cassavetes' Shadows and played a friend of Ellen Burson's character in Martin Scorsese's Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, had sadly passed away at the age of 86. We do have a wrestler that passed away, Exotic Adrian Street. I heard about that. Yeah, passed away at the age of 82. You might have seen on Raw. They did a, a dedication, apparently. I, know, I never heard of him. I mean, was he I like WWE? No, I wasn't really familiar with him. Apparently, I get, I'm guessing that Adrian Adonis kind of patterned uh, his character from him, but um, okay. he was wrestling, you know, way before we were watching wrestling. So. so he was like with the Haystack Calhoun guys and those type of. Yeah, this is way before we were watching wrestling. I mean, this is in the 1950s when he debuted. Oh, okay. So, um, so rest in peace. Um, and of course, uh, with death, we celebrate life for those uh, celebrating a birthday today as we wrap the show. Chuck D of public enemy is 63. Happy birthday. Chuck D. Uh, director Sam Mendez is 58 and Jason Momoa Aquaman himself. Happy birthday. You mean uh, the Jason. shark week guy. That's right. Jason is 44 today. Happy birthday. And congratulations. He, to he, Michelle. He's only, no, wait, I, I, I don't believe that. I think somebody's lying about their age because I when was Stargate SG one on because he was on Stargate Gate SG one and that you was at least like what fifteen years you think ago. He's older than forty four. I think he's older than that because he looked like he was on his thirties in Stargate SG one. But it was also yeah, but Baywatch was way before yeah, but when was Stargate SG one was like ten years after Baywatch, so that would have been uh, he would have been in his thirties, I guess. Oh, twenty eight. No, oh, no he Stargate was Atlantis. He was in. I'm sorry, not SG one, but he wasn't Stargate. He was born August first, nineteen seventy nine, Big Paul. So I, 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 say, I think he's older. He's he's older than that. He's gotta be. Uh, I will say he is younger than me because way back in his Atlanta days, uh, I was at Dragon Con in Atlanta, and he was at the bar, and he and I shut the bar down together. And nice. We were That's awesome. We were commenting to each other that we look younger than we are, and I. Used oh, okay. to, I think I made him uh, pee a little bit because I used the line of like, you know, I look old, I look young because fat pushes the wrinkles out. 
and he just like <laughs> fell out started, of the damn chair. Started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, crazy. I know oh, early in yeah. his career, he actually did the shore leave con too. Yeah. During the start, during the start. Really? Years, so. Yeah. Me, him, course, and Rainbow Aqu- Franks. Yeah. Me, Aqu- him, Aqu- and Rainbow Franks closed out the bar. Very cool. What a good story, man. That's cool. Yeah. I saw Jason Momoa at Sundance a couple of years ago. He was, he certainly had a presence when he was walking down Main Street in Utah. That's for sure. Um, and um, congratulations to Michelle Yeoh and Jean Todd who have entered a new chapter in their life together. Um, they just got married, so congratulations to them. So that uh, concludes. This is our season finale, summer season finale, BTB. Thank you so much, everybody that joined us on the panel. BTB is taking a much-needed break for the summer. Of course, there's no great movies coming out this mm-hmm. month, so. Except for Blue Beetle. Maybe. We need to make our own movies. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. And they have to so. be into because we're getting trouble with SAG if they're not. Exactly. But B2B I'll will be back. Members will get in trouble. Oh, that's true. That's I'm just true. an asshole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, hey, he could star in our movie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so B2B will be back on August 29th, guys. Just in time to talk about Ahsoka episode I'm one and two. Here that. I'll be going to Dragon Con around that time. Quite all right, quite all right. I know we'll be doing our next picks um, come up, but uh, I really hope all our listeners and fans enjoy the rest of their summer. Um, again, we'll be taking um, a little bit of a break. I need the break for hell. I, I'm, I'm like doing my last show sick. So if you notice, I've been muting the mic for coughing, but nonetheless, I had to push through for this one, guys. It's been an incredible show from top to bottom. I'd like to thank our panel, of course, starting with that's right, he's six foot eight and you can't teach that. The Sith Lord, Darth Paul Wallace, thank you for joining us. I'm a Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it as well that time. <laughs> Michael, the Rainmaker, Darty, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this great uh, summer season finale. Happy to be here and, and call me if you need me back next season. That's right, next season. Uh, we're, we'll be back at the end of August. And of course, New father, cosplayer extraordinaire, and former yes. pro wrestler, the one and only Wes Whitlock. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll find out who the next picks champion will be, or will Wes retain the gold? We'll find out. I and of so. course, I'm I'm Al Celebrity <laughs> Soto, guys. And of course, we are ending tonight. We gotta throw out a dedication to Pee Wee Herman. So closing out tonight's show, I gotta play the theme of Wee's Playhouse of the um, the series that went from 1987 to 1990. And right after that, our final shore leave interviews. It's all about Star Trek Voyager, Robert Picardo, and Robert Duncan McNeil, guys. So uh, two great interviews I conducted at shore leave. Um, and that's our final pre-recorded interviews to end uh, our awesome Awesome season, guys. So, behalf on everybody here in the panel, guys, we will see you guys in roughly three weeks, guys, here on BTB. Until then, enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll see you in the fall. Until then, peace.
This is Mike the General Zod here at Below the Belt Show, and I am here at Shore Leave in Hunt Valley with a Hollywood legend whose um, career spans nearly five decades. Yes, I think that's right, sadly. <laughs> Not so sadly, because you, you know, looking through, you have an amazing curriculum, B CV, curriculum vitae, as, mm -hmm. as it will, but this is Robert Picardo. Perhaps, uh, perhaps most prominently known for uh, Star Trek Voyager, but has a long, long list of credits and work that he's done. So, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you, General Zod. May I call you Jen? Of course. No, I'll call you Mike. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for the warm introduction. I've, I have been around a long time. I think I turned professional as an actor in... Uh, the, in February of the bicentennial year, so 1976, in January, February, I joined uh, the Actors' Equity Association, which is the theater um, mm -hmm. union. And then I believe it was later that same year that I joined SAG when I was guest star on a Kojak episode. So yes, so I've been uh, I've been a professional actor now for into five decades. Yes. And also, amazing sartorial choice with your hat, as I can attest to. Thank you very much. Yes, when you're a bald man and you've yes. got a lot of overhead lighting at a convention, I've learned long ago to try to wear a hat. Uh, this is one of my favorites, bought at a Star Trek convention in Italy. Oh. Uh, in Rimini. Rimini is the town where Fellini shot eight and a half. Oh, wow. So just wow. if you're a hat lover, I went uh, and, and I had this exact hat. I lost it at a charity event once, a charity appearance, and then I had to go all the way back to Italy and to Rimini to buy the same hat again. So <laughs> that's commitment. That is commitment. That that shows how high quality that can and be. How much I love this hat. I bought it in black and brown. So if you have me back on the show, I'll wear brown next time. Of course, time. of course, and and I'll wear a different color hat as well. Yeah, it would be better that way. They'll know it's a different day. Yeah, of course. And I'll do I'll do you a favor by looking even older when I come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what can you tell me about your? Um, I guess uh, being here at Shore Leave. What can you tell me about your con experience? Uh, Shore Leave is a very unique convention. I'm sure you hear that from other people. You interview. It is a fan-run convention. There's a tremendous um, warmth and ease here. Uh, it's always in the same hotel, as far as I know. I think I came to my first one in the late 90s, when Voyager was in its first run. Mm -hmm. uh, I came to uh, with Jason Momoa when we were both on Stargate. <laughs> uh, his career has gone in the toilet since then, of course. Absolutely. Um, he's a lovely man, Jason. Uh, I, the last time I was here was about six years ago, but the time I think I remember most would have been the time when Jason and I were both here in the early 2000s, because I have a, 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 a relative, a, a my cousin's grandson, who was a, uh, battling brain cancer at four years old, and the convention uh, raised money and, and gave a check to that family, and I was very touched by that. My, in fact, they came down with the young man and all that because, mm -hmm. and it was entirely spontaneous. It was the, it was the, uh, it was the idea of the organizers when they heard about this mm -hmm. to uh, to uh, dedicate the money uh, to his family and his recovery, and I've never forgotten that. So this place can do no wrong. It's fine. And the organizer, Don, terrific guy. And uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful place to come. I, some of my colleagues from both Stargate and Star Trek and the Orville, because I'm a multi-franchise guy, yes, you are. had Robbie McNeil 
from Star Trek, Penny Johnson, Gerald from both Star Trek and the Orville, mm-hmm. and my friends Claudia Black and Ben Browder from Stargate along with um, uh, Elena uh, Huffman. Mm-hmm. So really some wonderful, warm uh, actors as well to re- have reunion with. So I had a great time. In short, I had a great time. I just didn't have enough time to sit at the bar and have people buy me drinks. That's my only regret. <laughs> and I'm really working. And I'm sure uh, that that bar tab that you're you're you would be setting up for a lot of other people would uh, would really add up, huh? I'm sh- well. I, I, I mean, I don't drink more than the than the average uh, lush. No, I mean, oh, I think of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, since you are a multi-franchise guy, which one do you think? Uh, which one do you think is closest to your heart? It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, I guess I'd have Star Trek has been very good to me. Mm-hmm. I did the most hours of storytelling with Star Trek, so I would have to say uh, Star Trek has been the most important, uh, the signature credit of my mm-hmm. acting career. And I love the fact this applies really to Stargate as well in all science fiction that people rewatch the work. It remains evergreen in the sense that new generations of people. Mm-hmm. Discover the show. Right. They, maybe they watch one of the new Star Trek shows, and then they go back and, and watch the whole catalog. And that's really a nice feeling to know that there are young people who weren't even born when Voyager premiered or even went off the air who, st- who have just watched it all. Um, so Star Trek may have been the, uh, the biggest contribution of my career, but Stargate was pure fun. First of all, I didn't have to audition for it. That's great. <laughs> was that was that a first? Uh, no, I mean, there, I've been offered jobs, but that was the best job. I It grew into the best job that I've ever just been handed without auditioning. So you know who you are, Stargate producers. Thank you again. Real Joe Malazzi, Paul Muley, uh, Brad Wright, Robert Cooper. Stargate was just pure fun for me. Uh, I didn't have to earn the job. Uh, and the other great thing is... I was allowed to ad-lib. If I thought of a funny line, once we shot the script as written, if I had an idea, that, uh, can, I, can we do it again and I'll do a different line? They went, sure, great. Yeah, why not? We're in Star Trek. It's like, no. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I've often said that uh, you can be spontaneous on Stargate. It's fine to be spontaneous on Star Trek as long as you're spontaneous five days in advance <laughs> just call on the phone five days before and say what do you think of this line and then if they like it they won't say anything mm-hmm. it'll show up in the rewrites okay so it's a different cult. but I understand they have to protect the notion that Star Trek is set in the distant future Stargate was a secret military operation and even though it was a sci-fi show it was set in the present so you could be much more colloquial in language Gotcha. Much more, uh, much more grounded, uh, grounded in terms of scripts and everything. Right, and also you could just say you could make a a, a, a contemporary reference to culture okay. that you really can't in Star Trek, obviously. Of course, of course. Which is why you know, and I'm back in Baltimore where I hear the Baltimore accent, accent, which is similar to the Philadelphia accent where I grew up. So I was joking on stage yesterday, if all of, if all of Voyager, the whole Voyager cast had come from Philly. You know what that would sound like? Hey, please state the nature of the medical emergency. Oh, Captain, Captain, no, we got a, we have a red alert, Captain. Uh, I don't think we have, uh, you know, uh, Neelix called from sick, uh, from the, uh, we don't have no more water. No more water, no. Uh, wait, wait, oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. 
the faucet went back on. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Neelix. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, one, the one thing I would say that's a little different about the Baltimore accent, you don't say water, you say water. Water, water. <laughs> oh, that's even tougher. Yeah. I remember growing up saying gasoline. I thought, ga- I thought gasoline had a Z in it, or maybe two Zs, <laughs> possibly three. Gasoline, water, W-U-D-D-E-R, uh-huh. and uh, coke. Coke. A coke yeah. is a is this coke coke a u w k i guess c a u w k coke yeah you can use it to drink or to seal your bathroom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the um um would you i'm i'm assuming like there's been talk about like you know you coming back to your character in star trek like with the lower, lower decks there's or anything talking both star trek and stargate of the possibility nothing definite let me okay. make that clear uh start stargate looks like it may uh, get a reboot okay so i've heard some talk about that uh star trek the talk is only that with the success of all the legacy actors coming back to star trek picard mm-hmm. from next generation and of course my colleague from voyager jerry ryan the last season was spectacular on picard right well deserving of the praise and the uh emmy campaign mm-hmm. uh terry metallis who's the showrunner did a great job and he's our old friend he was brandon braga's assistant on voyager in his 20s <laughs> so he did a really masterful job in tying all the ends together um but you know we now have a writer's strike so uh nothing is happening anywhere and there's no talk of anything other than right. the fans calling out for a possible Star Trek legacy. I, I believe that uh, the franchise has also announced officially another show, um, Starfleet Academy. Okay. So uh, I believe that was in development before the plug, well, not was pulled, but before life stopped with the writer's strike. Right. So what will happen, I don't know, but I do think it's a good sign mm-hmm. that. The, that the appearance of all the legacy actors on Picard was such a hit with the fan that it's possible that they will, in the future, maybe reach out to some of the rest of us. Okay. And, um, I mean, is there anything... Do you have any other thoughts about the writer's strike or maybe the impending Screen Actors Guild one? Uh, obviously, the, uh, the agreement we have predates uh, streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. or the very uh, Yeah, as far as I know, it predates it. So... The residual agreement uh, was never adjusted to accommodate the transformation in the, uh, you know, in the in the marketplace. Um, so I, I think that it, the writers, there's, there's, you know, you, the story comes first. The writers totally deserve to be more equitably treated. It's, it's really, it's happened in the acting industry, but perhaps worse to writers, that it's very hard to be just a regular working middle class, right. you know, to be able to count on the fact that, you know, you can pay your rent or mm-hmm. pay your mortgage. Um, so uh, I, I hope the, the writers get the uh, agreement they deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, I don't live in L.A. anymore, so uh, this is the first time I haven't been able to participate the way I would have the, right. the last writer's strike where I marched mm-hmm. and I regret that um, and depending on how long it goes on I may have the opportunity to do it in the near future when I'm uh, by traveling down by being able to travel down once right. my theater commitment is over mm-hmm. um, and uh, 
and I just hope the writers uh, get treated equitably by the studios. Uh, I think there's pos there's some positive signs in the writers' negotiations. The first positive sign is that there there are talks being held, but uh, hopefully the writers strike uh, the actor strike can be averted. Okay. But if it isn't, then we will march together. Right. Um, right. And uh, so. Uh, because the you know it's time to catch up with the changes in the marketplace and treat the creators equitably. Oh, fantastic, well said. And now let's uh, pivoting to you were talking about your I'm theater. I have to I have to go in a, in a couple more minutes. So okay, okay. So no, no, so um, actually, um, let me talk about your greatest, the greatest work of your entire acting oeuvre, and that is Chad and the and the Alien Toupee. <laughs> yes, and that is something you did with Carrie Anderson. Yes, Carrie Anderson, who I had a drink at uh, last night at the yes. bar, who lives locally. Yes, uh, uh, Carrie, I believe, wrote that script. Yeah, I also did another thing called Extra School, where Carrie directed it. Uh huh. He's a, a wonderful guy, and both scripts are clever and a little crazy. Mm -hmm. I believe my colleague from Star Trek, Tim Russ, yes. is in Chad and the Alien Toupee. Uh, it was a... Uh, I believe I wore my own toupee in that. I think it might have been... I'll have to recheck the footage. It could be the Gremlins 2 toupee, <laughs> which lives on, by the way. I have an official YouTube channel called the Robert Picardo Official Channel. And... Uh, and I do wear the Gremlins 2 wig playing a character known as Alfonso, the world's most obnoxious man, <laughs> slash world's oldest gigolo. Highly recommended. He gives advice on your sex life, which I urge you to ignore. <laughs> That is fantastic. Well, Robert, thank you so much for the uh, for the time that you, know, you gave to us today because this is a wonderful interview. And if possible, could you uh, could you possibly give a plug for Below the Belt show? Just introduce yourself. Below the Belt, uh, Below the belt. Uh, do, is General Zog in the title? General Zod. Well, no, I'm Zod. not not Zod. in the I'm not in the title. It's more his baby as okay. Al Soto's. All right. But so is it be Below, Below the, the Belt show. Below the Belt show. It's not a porn show, right? Not usually, no. Not usually. <laughs> no, it's really, it's not. <laughs> Below the Belt. And you're, um, and you're listening to. Yes. Hello. All right. Hello, I'm Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager, Stargate Atlantis, and not yet the Star Wars franchise, telling you that you are listening to Below the Belt. Thank you so much. I do have one question. Mm -hmm. What's up with the Voyager documentary? I saw it on IMDb. Um, uh, it's going to be great. Uh, yes. they, it, 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 they're, it's going to take a while to complete. I think they have to raise. But I think it's going to be feature quality. Oh, nice. <laughs> we can't wait to see it. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You guys. Guys, we're here with director and actor extraordinaire Robert Duncan McNeil here at this amazing fan-run convention, The Amazing Shore Leave. Uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's an awesome yeah. convention. I love that it's big enough that it feels exciting, gives you great energy, but it's not so big that you get lost in it. You know, everybody can Absolutely. talk, you can connect. It's really fun. Yeah. Really, really fun. And you're here reunited one of your uh, co-stars from uh -huh. Star Trek Voyager, Robert Picardo. Yeah. What was it like reuniting with your former co-star? It's great. Well, Bob and I stay in touch. We talk all the time. So yeah. 
there's no new surprises for me. But we don't often get on stage together to do panels, and that's fun because yeah. we we uh, both have the same sense of humor and we have a good time. So it's been great to see him. That's fantastic. And there's other actors here. Uh, Aaron Douglas, who's here, I've worked with a couple of times. Uh, Penny Johnson, I worked with and directed the Orville. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, because you directed Orville, you've directed a million little things, and Grace yeah, Park was a part right. of that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, so you're pretty much reuniting with people who've already a worked. A lot with. of people. Yeah, yeah and Bo. Uh, Bo Browder was uh, was on Chuck, a show that I directed and produced. So, wow! Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, reu- reunions happening here. Those reunions are awesome. Speaking of reunions, yeah. I saw on your IMDb there is some kind of Voyager documentary. There's is, a Voyager documentary. Yeah, they've, been wor- they've been working on it for a few years. Yeah. I know there was a. I think it set a record for uh, Kickstarter or crowdfunding. It's the most money ever given by fans for any um, crowdfunded project. So it's yeah. it's got a lot of support. I know they want to do it right, and so they've taken a little more time than I think people were hoping. Yeah. But I hear it's in good shape, and it's going to be great. When we, oh, we can't wait we to see it. it. Speaking of Office of Reunions... Uh, we saw in Picard a reunion of the Star Trek Next Generation cast. Has there been any talks about a Voyager, something similar to Voyager? Yeah. Uh, well, um, not specifically, but I have heard from some people that work in the, uh, the you know the leadership of, of Star Trek these days that they they have real specific plans for all the former cast members, and I know that they've they've not used, uh, you know, Harry Kim or Tom Paris much, or, so I think they're holding back because there may be a plan to do something with the cast more specific instead of just throwing us into lots of these current shows, so I hope so. And you'd be on board? I'd be totally on board, yeah. That is fantastic, because in in a way you kind of did with uh, Lower Decks, right? Yeah. Reprising your character for Lower Decks, right? Yeah, Yeah. Lower Decks was a blast, yeah. I've got a... uh, (laughs) Got a picture right here, Lower Decks. Nice. That's my new headshot. Nice. Now, was the transition from actor to director uh, uh, something that was easy for you or gradual? And where did the interest lie from going from in front of the camera to behind the camera? Well, for me, it started... Well, I've always been interested in, in kind of directing and producing both yeah. those things. Uh, when I was in high school, I started a theater company that I produced the shows. We ended up having a professional little mini company of actors. We did some shows in Atlanta where I grew up. So I've always been sort of entrepreneurial and I like producing. I produced a play in New York before Star Trek, the off-Broadway play. Um, yeah, I, I've always enjoyed being behind the scenes and, and uh, you know, helping projects to get made. So, yeah, it was a very natural transition for me when I started directing and producing, and nice. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, one of the more recent uh, projects you worked on and, and uh, directed was True Lies. Oh, the, yeah. the, the, I guess the reboot uh, series. Well, how was your experience on that? Directing? True Lies is great. I unfortunately it got canceled after one season, yeah. but um, Matt Nix was the creator. He uh, comes from Burn Notice. He created Burn Notice. And I've worked with Matt before. We did a X-Men show called The Gifted. That Love I, The Gifted. Yeah, The Gifted. Oh I produced the second season of that was was me. But um, 
but the gifted was great with Matt and we've worked together a couple times and I love doing true lies it was you know a great homage to the spirit of the movie and uh, I love shooting action and chase scenes things like that so I got to do some fun action in it was great. I always thought the gifted would have performed better on a streaming platform what, what are your thoughts on that I think so too yeah I and think so too could have gone a little more darker a little more gritty yeah um, has, has there been any talks about um, reuniting the cast of the gifted for anything I don't think so I don't think you know there's been a lot of uh, changeover in terms of corporate ownership and right. uh, 20th Century Fox had the rights when the gifted first got developed and made and now Disney owns everything so it's true I, I don't think the gifted because of that big switch I don't think there'll be any more of the gifted but I'm sure there'll be more X-Men <laughs> I have no doubt they're coming in the MCU aren't they yes. yes you might be getting that call right yes exactly <laughs> That'd be great now is there any other dream projects you'd love to direct that you haven't directed yet um dream projects um boy I don't know I love The Handmaid's Tale I'm a huge I would love to work on The Handmaid's Tale I think it's beautifully written and directed and and it's a real director's kind of show because of the visual style and um I don't know I just every project has its own you know uh, exciting opportunities. So whatever it is, whatever it is, and whatever. hopefully even MCU when the mutants are calling. Yes, they're going to call the expert from the gifted exactly. to helm an X Men project for MCU. Right? Great, <laughs> Robert. Thank you so much for talking to us here on Below the Belt Show. This one's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. And if you could let us know who you are, throw out some of your accolades, and let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Okay. Hi, it's Robert Duncan McNeil from Star Trek Voyager and the Delta Flyers podcast. And you are watching Below the Belt. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.